Welcome to episode nine of A Well-Placed Cuss. As always, I'm Gurmeher Dodd sitting in with Max Miller and Zach Seri. On today's episode, we have a very special guest as we'll be interviewing CFO reporter and writer for Three Down Nation, John Hodge. We'll also be taking you through who we think got snubbed from the NHL All-Star Game, our reactions of Super Wildcard Weekend, followed by our predictions for the divisional round. We will also be introducing the newest member of A Well-Placed Cuss. Cue the intro, boys. All right, I usually start off by, uh, you know, introducing the boys, you know, getting us hyped, um, you know, talking about our weekend. But today we have a very special episode. As I've mentioned, we are going to be interviewing uh, CFL reporter uh, John Hodge. But um, before we get into that, we have a very new member joining us on a well-placed cuss. He's now a part of the team. We were a threesome. Now we are a foursome. Uh, introducing the newest member, uh, Oakley Rose. Oakley, what's up, buddy? Uh, not much. Just getting over a little bit of a sinus infection or something. Yeah, no, it, it is that season. Um, Oakley, uh, before uh, you know, we let you go back to what you're doing, just please introduce uh, yourself a little bit. Talk about some of your favorite sports teams and just what uh, you're going to be bringing to, uh, bringing to the team. Okay, so my name's Oakley Rose. Uh, when I first heard the podcast, I saw it actually on the last episode, Curran put it on his Instagram story and I started listening and then I've known Zach for a while. So I just texted him and said, Hey, I'm pretty good with computers and audio and stuff like that. If you guys ever need someone. And he said, yeah, that'd be awesome. We're looking for a tech guy and uh, we just don't, we can't afford one right now. So I, I said, uh, I need it. Hey, I enjoy it anyways. And I'm, I'm a sports guy. So I figured it's an opportunity to do what I like to do. And then uh, it gets to the sports podcast. So my favorite NHL team is Chicago Blackhawks because when I was little, I played hockey, but I sucked like really bad. Zach knows. Uh, um, but the first time I ever watched an NHL game the way through was the Chicago Blackhawks game. And Trickaton scored a shootout winning goal. And I, I just, I like the player more than the team. And I started following the team more after that. And then football, it's a, a, actually a pretty interesting story. We were in Mexico for, uh, I can't remember what year it was, but it was a 49ers uh, Super Bowl game where the lights went out for like an hour and a half. And they kind of got shafted because they were winning and then just got their momentum crushed by the lights. And that, that was why I started following them. And then uh, as far as baseball goes, it's just the Blue Jays are the only Canadian team. And uh, I don't really care for any of the other teams. I just want to see the Jays win and have a big rampage going through Toronto all over Instagram again. And then uh, basketball. I like the Lakers, and I, I, I just say that because normally I just like whoever's winning. I just like to watch basketball. I don't, don't really pick favorites much, but, uh, yeah, the Lakers have always been the team. where Whenever they're on, that's who I want to win. 
Well, Oakley, I mean, those are some interesting picks. We're, uh, we're definitely happy to have you on board. I would just like to say that I was the one who said that we needed a tech guy. And the fact that you're, uh, you're doing it for free really helps us out. If it makes you feel any better, we're not making any, more, any money either. Yeah, no, no worries. I'm just happy to be here. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, Zach, Max, how you boys doing? Not bad. Just chilling. School started. It's going to be online for a couple more weeks. So not doing too much except struggling with online school, like I think most of the world. I hear you, man. Zach? Yeah, I hate online school so much. It's it's actually might be the worst offer, like thing in the world. Uh, just glad to get Oakley on board. And him have been a uh, good friend since uh, the the U U five Bobcat teams uh, dynasty that was the Bobcat teams. Um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, looking bright for the a well placed cuss team. We got we got big things on the horizon. Got a couple of guests including john hodge which was you know jeremy max and say just a great guy like that guy fantastic interview guy. fantastic yeah interview. just, just brought a lot guy. of great energy he was awesome yeah for sure. for sure and then we got a couple more interviews lined up here so um and then some big plans uh maybe getting moving into a nice little studio here getting the plans done so uh future for all of our uh, consistent listeners, we thank you so much. Uh, you've been uh, listening through us to some pretty uh, shitty audio, but we definitely plan on fixing that uh, ASAP. So we really appreciate you guys. Um, you know, well, let's get right into it. Obviously, this was a big weekend in sports. Uh, you know, the NFL playoffs kicked off with the uh, Super Wildcard weekend. Me personally, I love the, ex- the addition of the extra team. I love the uh, extra playoff game. And this weekend, um, Zach said it in a group chat yesterday, as much as I, as I am hyped for the NFL playoffs, this had to be the worst weekend of playoff football ever. I think we had maybe two interesting games. Those two weren't even, you know, that interesting. It was more so the endings. But, you know, a lot of blowouts. Uh, I can't really say I'm surprised, um, to be completely honest with you. Um, I think most of my picks went pretty well, except for, uh, you know, some divisional uh, games here and there. But, um, you know, we're going to go around uh, the group uh, and just talk about our reactions to, uh, you know, Wild Card Weekend. Me personally, um, as far as, you know, upsets, I, I honestly don't think there were any. You know, Zach, do you want to speak on that? Yeah, um, I, I guess the only upset, like, uh, betting fav- favorite-wise was uh, for 49 feeding Cowboy. You know, but I saw a lot of people picking the 49ers to win that because we know the Cowboys' history is in playoff games. So, um, you know, Gurmy said it. I, I stated a couple of days ago, like, that might have been the worst weekend of playoff football I've ever watched. Like, I honestly did not enjoy a game. Um, like, Cincy versus the Raiders was okay, but nothing special. You know, 49, 49ers versus uh, the Cowboys, you know, uh, could have been better. You know, it was in in my opinion, was the best game, and it was an average game. My game of the week was uh, the Cards versus the Rams, and that was just a horrible game. Max, what do you think of this past weekend? Uh, yeah, I I have to agree with uh, with you guys. It was a pretty lack lackluster weekend. I remember I, I looked at my phone for the start of the Bills and Patriots, and it was zero zero. And then like fifteen minutes, I looked in, and it was like thirty to nothing. And I was like, "Holy shit!" 
what is wrong with Bill Belichick and the Patriots today. But I just, I don't think there's so much what's wrong with the, the Patriots, but I think what's working for the Bills is finally coming to fruition for that team. I think they're really, really hitting their stride. Uh, and I think they can make a, a good playoff run. But like Zach said, the most interesting game was probably the San Francisco and Dallas game. And I had put a tiny bit of faith in Dallas. I know I, I, know I went on that rant about how Dallas uh, is the most overrated team in the NFL. And uh, they did nothing but prove me right on Sunday. And there's not much more to say about that. Debo Samuel's an absolute beast. Uh, the Cardinals' inexperience in the playoffs certainly showed. Uh, I think the Rams are a team that no no one wants to mess with, especially handing the Cardinals that that huge loss. But I think I think the, the I think the real playoffs start uh, this weekend. I'm in kind of a weird position here because in a previous episode I said that the Rams could go to the Super Bowl, and that's looking like a good pick. But then in my playoff bracket that I put on our Instagram account, I picked the Bucks to win. So I, I think I'm kind of a sellout here, boys. I don't know what's, what's going on with me. Um, if I had to pick one and this will be my final pick, give me Tommy touchdown. I just, I just feel like he's a different breed when it comes to the postseason. Post he is the GOAT. That's undisputed. I'm not trying to hear anything else. Um, he definitely elevates his play when it comes to the postseason. If he is going to do it, he is going to have to do it with probably one of his, you know, it's a pretty lackluster receiving core. Um, especially if you think about it, heading into this weekend against the matchup. I think um, as much as I love Mike Evans, shout out to Mike Evans, eight straight years with a thousand yard uh, receiving yards. Um, I don't think you realize how hard that is to do. Like ever since he's been in the league, he's had nothing less than a thousand receiving yards. So I just want to give a shout out to him. But I do think he's going to be neutralized by Jalen Ramsey. So who's going to be making plays for uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going into this this uh, this weekend against the Rams? Uh, obviously, you might be getting Leonard Fournette back. Um, no, no AB, no Chris Godwin. So who's going to be, you know, the playmaker? So that's a matchup that I'm really interested to see. I think, uh, I think Tom figures it out though. But oh my goodness, that front four of uh, the LA Rams looked dangerous the other night. Yeah, Miller uh, stepped up. He he kind of looked like Von Miller of old. Um, that entire Rams defense, the Rams team as a whole, is is destined to win now. OBJ is looking uh maybe not like prime OBJ, but he's looking looking pretty good out there. Stafford uh finally gets first playoff win, you know, get the monkey off the back here. Oh, that that's probably my uh game of the week to watch is that Tampa Bay versus uh LA game. But uh you, you know what, Max, I completely agree with the playoff start now type of thing. Um I think all the teams that can actually win the Super Bowl are now you know, in the playoffs and all the teams that realistically should, shouldn't have are out. So uh, I agree with that statement. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I just want to bring it back, uh, back around to the Rams. Um, I've said this since they signed OBJ. Uh, OBJ is, is going to be a postseason player for them. He's going to be the, the X factor when it comes to this. And it just showed against the Cardinals. And he might not get the, the yards that we're used to seeing from him, but he's certainly like, especially with this Rams team, he is certainly a, a red zone threat to, to any defense. I think, I think he'll be the X factor for the Rams on offense because all of the attention is going to be on Cooper Cup. And we had discussed this. Rams have a really, really solid receiving core, and we're not even counting Robert Woods. They have, they have an offensive line, and they have a 
great run game. They they have uh, Henderson, they have Akers, who's, who's coming back from an injury. They have Sony Michelle. I think that offense is stacked. And then you talk about the defense with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Vaughn Miller, like you guys said. Uh, Gurmy called it from the beginning, and uh, I, I, I have to respect that because I, I think that's a great pick. This Rams team is looking dangerous. I would say, all things considered, even though it was a blowout and he did, like, score a touchdown, like, the, the Cardinals did a pretty good job containing Cooper Cup. I mean, he didn't really pop off. They basically said, like, hey, he's not getting 14, 15 catches. And because they put so much attention on him, you know, that let the, you know, that let the, um, the run game go wild. Um, you know one thing about Tom Brady, he's not going to turn the ball over. Or well, he he he's a game manager in a sense that he's not going to make too many mistakes. Uh, we saw Kyler Murray get off to a terrible start yesterday. That playoff inexperience really showed. Um, they kind of reminded me of like the Pittsburgh Steelers of last year. Like they started off really good, undefeated, and they kind of just you know fizzled out. They didn't even end up winning their division. Um, you know they didn't really have a consistent run game either. So. I'm not really surprised that the LA Rams, um, you know, figured it out. Um, they're, they're looking like a really big threat. They're looking like a really big threat. Um, uh, moving, uh, moving, like focusing my attention back to um, the other NFC matchup, um, cow, like Cowboys, um, Niners. Um, shout out to Max. So you, you call it from the start. Like you told us, hey, you know, the Cowboys are an overrated team. You know, they're not that good. Um, you know, they, Thank haven't, you. they haven't really been anyone good in the show. And to, you know, to their credit, the 49ers stuck with the game plan. They limited Jimmy G's touches as much as possible, and they ran the ball with Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel. George Kittle is going to be an all-decade tight end, and he caught maybe, what, two passes? That's how committed they were, you know, running the football. Um, you know, they probably have one of the best offensive lines in football. Um, I know they're missing Mike McGlinchey, but they still got Zach's boy, Trent Williams, uh, Alex Mack, I believe. Um, you know, uh, Lakin Tomlinson, I believe, um, you know, they're, they're a stacked offensive line. They can run, run the football. That defense showed up. Um, obviously we have yet to see if, you know, Nick Bosa and Fred Warner are going to return because if not, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is going to eat that defensive line. Um, I'm, I'm more intrigued about, I think this wildcard matchup between, I think this divisional matchup between, um, the Niners and the Packers is going to be much more interesting than a lot of people are going to give it credit for. I think it's going to be a good matchup. I would completely agree. Remember, let's not forget uh, the last time the Packers faced the 49ers. Um, you know, people were, were counting out that 49 game, and look at what they did. They ran wild all over the Green Bay Packers. Um, you know, you mentioned Nick Bosa and Fred Warner. I think those are, like, two key pieces of that 49ers team. Hopefully Fred Warner is healthy. Um he might be my favorite uh, inside linebacker to watch. Like Brady is in pass coverage, um, run stopping, everything in between. Um, you know, I should have stated this um, in our last uh, episode, but I truly believe uh, Elijah Mitchell is going to be this 49ers uh, X factor here. You know, obviously, do it all. Debo Samuel is getting a lot of eyes on him, but, uh, you know, Eli Mitchell. You know he's got he's he's going to be the X factor here against this Green Bay Packers team. Uh, the Packers um, they got a couple of key guys out that might return, but you know this game will be very interesting, and um, I want to see if the the Packers can actually get the job done here. I see see if Aaron Ross can finally finally get over that hump after ten years. 
Well, I mean, I think I, I, his, his home comes in the NFC Championship game. So he probably, you know, I, I'm picking them to win this game, but I think it's going to be closer than, you know, you know what more people are going to give it credit for. Um, the thing with the, the thing with this 49ers defense, well, I, this, this 49ers team. Sorry, Max, you can go ahead. I was just going to um, – I just find it interesting that Zach brought it up. Yeah, a lot of the tension on the 49ers is going to be on Debo Samuel which I think will give Elijah Mitchell a lot of room to, to work with. Won't get all the eyes on him. I think I think he definitely will be the X factor, much like how I think uh, Obi is the X factor for the Rams. You have one of the best wide receivers in Cooper Cup. All the eyes are on him. It takes a little bit of the preview. That's when you strike. So I just, wanna, I, just I, I definitely agree with Zach on that. that one. Here's my concern for the 49ers. If they're ever in like a time where they need Jimmy Garoppolo to make a play, can he do it? Because we saw, you know, he almost sold this game for them. Like that that interception to uh, Anthony Brown, I believe, uh, that was tough. Um, you know, I think uh, I don't know if he he's the one that can make the play. So I'm very intrigued to see that. Uh, Max, another thing you've been calling out for weeks: um, Trayvon Diggs got exposed a couple of times, really bad. Oh my God. I, it was it was blast for me that people were trying to put him put him over uh, DJ Watt for D- it was insane. I understand that turnovers are a very crucial part of the game that gives the team a lot of momentum, but he that is the only thing that he excels at in this. He loves he is always on the, the the number one wide receiver, and they just go off when they play against Diggs. I like I don't Cowboys defense, especially with Micah Parsons being that anchor. But and I, I don't even mind Trayvon Diggs like um like as as a regular corner, but I just don't think that the eleven interceptions make up for the amount of yards that he lost. Absolutely. I mean, there were times, you know, yes, eleven interceptions, that's huge, but I think what more people need to start recognizing is that he is a good ball hawk, but I don't know if he's a good corner. I would agree. Right, I definitely agree. Like, uh, I, I want to give a shout-out to someone, uh, A.J. Terrell. Should have been – should have been – should have taken D- Diggs' spot over him for the All-Pro. He has been lights out. Hell, even, even J.C. Jackson over Diggs, like – No, I'm 100% with you. I, I definitely think he was uh, overrated, and when you play on America's team, that's what's going to happen. Um, moving on to uh, some of the AFC matchups. We're going to talk about Zach's boy, Joe Burrow, here. Um, first playoff win for Cincinnati in 31 years. That's unreal. Um, dudes come in and, you know, him and Jamar Chase have, you know, changed that franchise for the better. Um, shout out to the, um, the people of Cincinnati. They've been waiting for that for a while. Uh, but shout out to Oak, the, the Las Vegas Raiders, too. Um, they've been through so much turmoil this past season. Um, there are so many times where I thought they were done, their season was over, but Derek Carr, you know, has led this team, um, let, put this team on his back. Rich Basacha came in and did a great job. Um, you know, Hunter Renfro is becoming one of my more favorite players to watch in this league. And, you know, they came up just short, but I mean, they battled to the very end um, and, you know, things just don't go their way, but um, I don't, I definitely don't want to th- take anything away from the Cincinnati Bengals. They, uh, they deserve that win. Obviously there was a little bit of controversy on that Tyler Boyd touchdown, but um, you know the boys still showed up. So uh, you know, Zach, uh, what's your take on this? Uh, the the Bengals win. You know, I won't lie to you, Jeremy. Um, I watched uh, the first half, and then I had to go to work, and 
you know, it, it was kind of a boring game, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, I got that. You know, Joe, Joe uh, came to play. Joe came to play, Um, you know, he, he got the W. He didn't do anything overly impressive. Like, his uh, completion percentage was 65. You know, that's pretty high. That, like, that's a good completion percentage. 240 yards, two bodies, no picks, you know. You know, an average game, he didn't have to do anything special. That uh, Vegas Raiders, though, I, I thought just, like, lacked some oomph left in Vegas. You know, I thought, you know, in that Chargers game, it was really important to have that game in Las Vegas. You know, the crowd support there was crazy. They had that swagger. They had that intensity. And then they go to Cincinnati, and, you know, everything just kind of went down the drain. They, like – Nobody seemed to be hype on that sideline and like the body language of those players, you know, shout out to them still, you know, they made it all that way. They beat my chargers. They did all those great things, but I just, I just don't think they like had that, like that energy rate, like that Joe and the, the Bengals did, but that's just my take. I think that's very fair. For me personally, I think that they've just been, they lacked a deep threat. Obviously, you know, Henry Ruggs is that guy. Uh, they didn't really have a guy that could take the top off a of defense. Um, Hunter Renfro is more of a slot receiver. He's going to route you up. Uh, Darren Waller is a good tight end, but, um, you know, I think with the injuries, he just, you know, wasn't very explosive. And, um, you know, they, they, battled, they, like, they battled, you know, their defense kept, you know, kept them in this game. Max Crosby's an absolute dog. I want to give him as much credit, like, as he deserves, you know. He's been anchoring that defense. Um, you know, your boy, Casey Hayward, you know, was making plays. I did not know he was a Raider for the longest time. Um, uh, but shout out to the, but I want to say it again, shout out to the Raiders, man. They endured so much and, you know, they're back, you know, they made their way back into the playoffs and, you know, it didn't go their way. Um, moving on to another AFC matchup. Um, one of the two big wipings of this past weekend. Uh, Max, you want to talk about your Steelers? Yeah, um, you know, I, I can't be too upset with this game. Uh, they did – the Steelers did what they were supposed to do. They kept the minute until the first quarter ended, or, and then, you know, all kind of all went to hell from that. But I didn't think that this game was going to be as, as much of an upset. No, it wasn't an upset, but I thought the Steelers would have made it closer. I was I was following the game. I was at a I was at a movie when it was happening, so I wasn't able to watch it. I'm kind of glad I didn't watch it though, because uh, I didn't want to see the Steelers get their ass beat. But like beating them by 21, like our defense is better than giving Kansas City 42 points. I want to say that right now. Uh, the Steelers defense should not allow that to happen, especially in a playoff game. I understand that Kansas City has one of the has one of the best offenses in the league, but the Steelers have the best defense in the league and. I, I, I don't like that. Uh, the, the 21 points put up by the put up by the Steelers, I thought was adequate, but it was it was just it was just a, it was just a bad playoff game. I mean, I, I didn't expect them to win. I, I made it closer, but I'm just glad Big Ben could get at least one last uh, one one last snap in the playoffs before he's off. Before we get into, um, you know, what you uh, like the uh, the Bills game. What are your plans for the offseason? Like, what do you want to happen, Max? Oh, well, f well f first things first, and that is uh, that is re replace Ben Roethlisberger. And please, God, 
I don't make the Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins. I know I was hyping up Dwayne Haskins this season, but if that is legitimately our starting quarterback, this this team is this team's in for a long five years. Uh, I'm hoping that Gurmy, you, you you had a take yesterday that you think Pittsburgh's sign Aaron Rodgers. That would be an absolute dream. I think I think that would almost make him contenders with, with a couple of with a couple of signings. Uh, but I mean, there's not a whole lot to do. I mean, the Steelers they weren't a great team. They weren't a bad team. I want to keep uh, keep keep the defense re- relatively the same. I thought the secondary did a great job this season. Linemen, linebackers, uh, all on defense. It's the offense where imp- improvements need to be made. And I don't mind uh, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool at the one-two. And uh, I wouldn't even mind Juju. I wouldn't even mind Juju coming back. But uh, Pat Fryermuth, I think, needs to develop more. I think he's going to be a stud in this league. But I think all the problems for the Steelers are on the quarterback and on the offensive line. When Trey Turner is your best offensive lineman, you kind of got an issue. That's, that's spot on. I remember um, – I love how um, on Sunday Night Football they do that player intros. We didn't get it last year with COVID. But we didn't get it this year. And when they were introducing their offensive line, I'm like, bro, I know none of these guys. Because, you know, Alvin Weva left, David DeCastro, uh, Pouncey, oh. they were all oh. – like that's that entire like left side was just gone. No, I know it, it, it was it was a real disappointment this season. We had we had such a strong offensive line for so many seasons, and you you and Marcus Gilbert and uh, Okorafor is not bad, but yeah, it, it's it's a struggle with the team right now. For sure. Um, moving on to the final, uh, matchup of the, you know, this postseason, um, obviously we do have, we, we didn't really mention, um, Bucks Eagles, but we all knew that was really going to be a blowout. Tom does what he does, but, um, moving on to Tom's former team, um, Patriots and, uh, Bills. I knew the Bills were going to like, you know, come out like firing, but I did not expect it to be a 30 point loss against the Bill Belichick defense. Zach, what are your thoughts? Can we admit now that Josh Allen is better than Lamar? I know you guys disagreed with me at the st- like in the middle of the season. Can we uh, confirm that now? When Josh Allen wins a unanimous uh, NFL MVP, we'll talk. Yeah, um, I'm not ready. One, one one playoff game doesn't solidify that for me. We also need to mention that La- Lamar's um entire team was decimated with injuries, including him. Um, no, I am not ready to admit that. But um. Very true. Talk about the game, please, Zach. <laughs> well, uh, I won't lie to you. Um, I, I was referencing some hockey when this game went on, and I was kind of mad because I was going to miss this game. And I thought this game would be a lot closer, a good game. I had it uh, recorded. I was going to watch it at home. And, um, you know, all of a sudden I get, uh, you know, a couple of text messages and uh, notifications. I look at my phone. And it's uh like 40, 40 to ten for uh the Bills, and I'm like, okay, well, what just happened? And then I look at uh, Josh Allen's stat line, um, you know, he he must have been uh you know a little bit mad there uh or something uh, and he just put on an absolute clinic. To be fair to the Patriots, there were there were some plays that didn't just go their way. I think they came out. Um, Mac, I think, believe had Nelson Aguilar on um, uh, like on a goal line fade. I'm not sure what it was, and you know, Micah Hyde got initially beaten. Uh, Max boy, Max's guy, Micah Hyde got beaten on like a play, but he covered so much ground and he made a game changing interception. 
And I think Josh Allen, you know, the Bills capitalized on all their turnovers. Um, Dawson Knox is making his case for one of the more underrated players in this league. I love his connection with Josh Allen. Um, Stephon Diggs didn't really have um, too good of a game, but he did have a pretty big impact play with one big catch. Um, their defense is looking really good. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I did not expect them to uh, run the ball as well as they did, especially on a Belichick defense. But I think, you know, Devin Singletary has shown improvement. You still got Zach Moss. And you've got their best runner, which is also Josh Allen. It's crazy. It's almost like running the football as a quarterback isn't necessarily a bad thing. I don't know why so many people say that. Um, but uh, for a foot, like, you know, I think a couple of those came in, you know, really late in the game, but a 47, you know, point outburst is still a 47 point outburst. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I was really impressed. Um, and, you know, maybe the conversation can be had, you know, I think Mac Jones was a little overrated this year. Did he have the best year out of all the rookie quarterbacks? Sure. I'll say that, you know, um, I think he had a better year. Do I think he'll be a better player than Zach or Trevor? No, I don't think so. Um, near the end of the season, he really showcased that he was a rookie quarterback. Um, he made a lot of rookie mistakes. Um, and, you know, it showed up. I think the play calling um, has, was was pretty, you know, um, you know, pretty n- not very risky this entire year. Um, Josh McDaniels, I think Patriots fans have been begging for his job for the past couple of years now. Um, you know, but he, he's boys with Belichick, so I don't, I don't know um, if that'll ever work out. But um, I really think, you know, coaching was the downfall of this Patriots team in this last couple of weeks. You think these, these are some of Bill Belichick's last years? I mean, it's all going to come down to Bill. I mean, you're you're not you're not going to be the guy that fires Bill Belichick. Like, let's make that clear. Like, no nobody's going to fire Bill Belichick. It's, he's Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick right. is going to go out on his own terms. Um, if he has like a really bad couple of years, maybe. But you don't fire Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is one of those guys you don't fire. I I can't see him being fired. Right. Um. Do you think that there's any chance he would leave the Patriots to go to a better situation? If he wants to come to the Giants, I'm all for it. I said a better situation, Gurmy. Okay, ouch. I, I kind of walked into that one. Maybe. I mean, uh, I think he's a really – I think he's going to go to a team where his, his con card is defense, so I can see him going to a defensive-oriented team. Um, but at the same time, you know, he is 70. Like, a 70, like how old How old is Bill Belichick? I believe he He's 71. Um, you know, the dudes, the dude, I don't want to say like, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing anymore, but you know, he's entering, you know, those latter stages of his life. So I don't know um, how many more years he wants to be coaching. Um, he turned 70 in April. So, um, you know, he's made it clear he wants to return next year. Um, so, uh, so we'll see what happens, but um, I, I don't see him coaching till he's 75. No. Yeah. It's interesting to think about that because, you know, it might not be, uh, you know, up to Bill himself. It might be his health, you know. He, he's getting up there in age. You know, some of these coaches have to retire just because they're so old. So, you know, that's just a wild thought to throw out there. You know, uh, football coaching is a very stressful job. So, you know, it, it's not that crazy to put, that, put out there that he might retire in the next five to seven years just based on uh, his health and his age. Not at all. And um, so that concludes our, uh, um, you know, the matchups for this past wild, the super wild card weekend. 
again, boys, not very, not very, you know, surprising. I, I can't really say I was really surprised by, like, obviously some of the scores, um, like, I was surprised by the Bills, Pats, like, the score. Like, I'm not expecting to be blown up by 30, but this was a really bad weekend of football. I'm really hoping next week brings the juice. I think yeah, every, uh, every football fan, I think, would echo those exact same words. All right, moving on to next week in the NFL divisional rounds. Hopefully, uh, these matchups are much better than what we experienced this past weekend. Uh, not uh, Playoff uh, blowouts are kind of the worst football to watch. So it just gets really boring. They run the ball 30 times, and it's not that fun. But uh, moving on to next weekend, we've got the Bengals taking on the first seed Tennessee Titans. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs uh, hosting the Buffalo Bills. Um We've got the San Francisco 49ers going on the road to Lambeau and taking on the one seed Green Bay Packers. And probably the most intriguing matchup of all, the uh, LA Rams going to Tampa and taking on the defending champs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, boys, these are some pretty good uh, matchups. Max, I'll get your opinion first. What's probably uh, the matchup you're most looking forward to? Uh, honestly, I, I know this is kind of a uh... – it's kind of a weird matchup, but I'm really excited for that Titans Bengals game. I think that I think that's going to be super interesting, and uh, because for me, I I have the I have the Chiefs winning on the other side, and I think I'm just I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with that and who which one of those which one of those teams is going to make it to the AFC Championship to try to to try to dethrone the Chiefs as as the champ to the AFC. Uh, I if I had to put money on it, I'd probably put money on the Titans just because you know of experience. But that Bengals team's been been making some noise, especially with that win against the Raiders. That bought them some m- momentum, and uh, you know you you can see being being the first seed and sitting out that game as a blessing. But you, there's also some like side effects, and uh, uh, um, I'm trying to say like when NFL teams don't have that first game in the first week of playoffs. They don't have any momentum to come off from. So they're coming off two weeks cold. So you can look at that as that's two weeks of rest, or you can look at that as the opposing team has some momentum coming their ways. But I don't know. I'm just I'm, – I'm excited for that game probably more than any of them. That's fair. That's really fair. I think that's going to be a good game. Uh, we're going to see what uh, Joe Burrow does. Um, obviously – I liked I liked the fact that he ended that um playoff drought the Bengals had, but this is going to be a real test. I honestly think he can get it done because uh, I'm not sure how good the Tennessee Titans' run defense is. Um, you know about their lethal passing attack the Bengals have, but if Joe Mixon can get going, I think it's going to be a really long day for the Tennessee Titans. And I'll just say it: I've never been sold on the Tennessee Titans being a true one seed. Um, they're going to get Derrick Henry back though. That's that's the hopes. Um, this bye week really uh, helped him, you know, rest him for a little bit more. So if De- if Derrick Henry comes back fresh, it's going to be a really um, different game. They're going to be able to utilize play action a little bit more, and you know they could be a threat. Um, you know, it, what kind of Julio are we getting? That's a that's that's something to look for. And um, if Good AJ question. Brown. If AJ Brown's, you know, healthy, he's still a dynamic receiver. So this this can be a good game, but don't count out a Bengals upset. Uh, Zach, what matchup are you looking forward to the most? You know, it really comes down to two matchups, in my opinion. Um, the Rams versus the Bucks, but in my opinion, it has to be the Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, Ariel Hawani, who's a big uh, Bills fan, tweeted out 364 days. You know, it's been since uh, Stephon Diggs, you know, that famous picture of him watching the Kansas City Chiefs 
celebrate. You know, I feel like the Bills are looking for revenge in the playoffs. They already beat the Chiefs uh, in the regular season. And now it's uh, the playoffs are going back to Arrowhead. I think they want revenge. And, uh, you know, if they play like they played last week against this Chiefs team, it'll be a fun matchup to watch. That's fair. And I think this is going to be a really big game for uh, Josh Allen. You know, in the past couple of years, we've seen him beat on, you know, less than superior teams. Now he has a chance to like solidify himself. Is he, is he going to make that? Like, is this going to be, this is going to be a signature playoff win. Um, so I'm really excited. Obviously I think that um, Stefan Diggs, if anyone, he's going to come back really hungry. Um, that picture is going to live, live on in infamy. Um, and I, I remember like him watching it and it kind of looks like, like he was saying to himself, man, I want this to hurt. Like, that's how much I wanted this, and that's how much it was taken from me. Like, I wanted to hurt. So I think they're coming back for vengeance. Obviously, uh, we remember uh, last year um, the ultimate pounding that it was. Um, and, you know, the Chiefs have looked shaky at times. You know, uh, when, they've, when they've had to play, you know, um, equal to um, above or equal to above competition, they've looked like they can be beaten. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to see it. Um, we're going to see it this weekend. Uh, me personally, I'm going to go with my uh, original pick, the uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the LA Rams. I kind of have picked both of these teams to get in the Super Bowl. Uh, I picked the Rams in an earlier episode, and I picked the Buccaneers uh, on an Instagram post. Um, but this is going to be a really good matchup. There's going to be matchups all throughout the field here. Uh, the biggest one, we're going to get, you know, Jalen Ramsey and Mike Evans. That's going to be a big matchup. We're going to get, you know, that really star-studded offensive line of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers against, you know, Aaron Donald and the uh, the Rams uh, D-line. And I don't know if you guys watched yes, uh, yesterday's game um, against the Arizona Cardinals, but what Aaron Donald did to um, some of those offensive linemen, oh, my God. Uh, there's a funny image where he's ripping, like, where he's choking out a dude, and in the back of his helmet says, stop hate, or something like that. that I thought that was really funny. Um this is going to be a really big test for, I think, Tampa, to be completely honest with you. Um, I, if anything, I would favor the Rams in the situation because of their passing attack, because of, you know, how good Cooper Cup has been this year. Um, what Cam Akers done is a miracle. Dude tore his Achilles in July and is back playing playoff football in, uh, in January. So, you know, they're going to run the ball with Sony Michelle, Daryl Henderson, Cam Akers. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think that's going to be a really close game. Zach, you got something to add? Yeah, yeah. Before we move on to our, our game predictions, can I just give your opinions on uh, X factors to watch? You know, it might be players, matchups, coaches. I, I have Eli Mitchell. I think he's going to be crucial for that San Francisco team, especially with Debo getting all the eyes. I want your guys' opinions on uh some X factors to look out for, like you mentioned, uh, Derek Henry coming back. Uh, any other guys or matchups? Eli Mitchell is kind of a tough one because I don't really think he's going to be an X factor because I think teams are preparing for him. Like, like he's been the bell cow back for a majority of the season, but that is a good pick. I think he's going to play a big role. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think Leonard Fournette coming back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that's going to be really big, especially with how he's utilized and how um, Byron Leftwich, uh, how he uh, how he's basically turned Leonard Fournette into an Alvin Kamara type of dude. Um, we've seen instances this season where he's had multiple touchdown games where he's either running it or catching the ball. Um, 
you know, I think that's going to be a really big uh, matchup to look forward. Like, I think um, with some of the linebackers that the, the, the Rams have, I think they can really use uh, that pass-catching back that Brady has been so accustomed to having. Yeah, I definitely agree with me. I agree with you. Um, I think X-Factors is going to be really what uh, what tells the story for these playoffs. I think you'll see players going off. I don't think X factors uh, necessarily need to be uh, players that are uh, under the radar. Like for example, I think that the the Chiefs are going to win against that Bills team, but I think Stephon Diggs is going to have a, a legacy game. Uh, I think he's going to be the, the the X factor for the Bills. I think he's going to be the guy uh, against the Chiefs. You know, maybe maybe close to 200 passing yards, couple of touchdowns. I have really high hopes for him for this game, especially because Grimmy, you were talking about that that image in that video, you know, he, he wanted to, he wanted to let that sink in. He wanted that Kansas city chiefs win last season to sting, to give him some motivation for this season. And I think that he finally gets the rematch, you know, same venue, same team. Uh, uh, I think that this will be, I think that th that game will be uh, a good one. And I think that Stefan Diggs uh, will be one of the bills biggest chances of actually beating that chiefs team. Another name I want to yeah. throw out is Joe Mixon. Um, he only had 48 uh, carries. Sorry, he had only had 48 rushing yards in the win against uh, the Raiders. Um, I think if the uh, the Bengals are going to go on the road and the one thing you can do on the road is, you know, that recipe for winning is to run the ball and stop the run. And we've seen, you know, Trey Hendrickson pop off this year, um, not only as a pass rusher, but, you know, his help in the run defense. Um, I think... Um, I think uh, if uh, if the Bengals can run the ball and utilize play action, get Jamar on some you know some deep routes, I think um, that's going to be a matchup to watch. So Joe Mixon is really going to open the door for this uh, this um, this Bengals team. Yeah, and you talked about Joe Mixon right there. Um, I'm interested to see what King Henry does if he comes back, or that Titans rushing uh, attack. You know, uh, the Bengals' top defensive tackle just got put on IR. Uh, Larry and uh, I'm interested to see what this Bengals, you know, Trey Hendrickson balled out. Uh, he was, I believe, the highest rated uh, defensive player in the wildcard weekend. Um, you know, he's been a menace this entire season. I'm interested to see if that Bengals team, how they slow down um, the A.J. Brown, the, the Julio, and then especially King Henry coming back. It's going to be a good weekend. I just don't want any blowouts, and I think we can all agree on that. I think it'll be great games, to be honest. Like, I don't I, see a, a single game where it's so going to be bad. Who do, you think, so who do you boys think is going to pull off an upset? Like, if you had to pick an upset coming up, what do you guys think? Who's going to pull it off? I would say Cincy. I would say, I would say San Fran. I would say Buffalo. Actually, yeah, I think it's, it's one of the AFC teams. I don't see... Um, you know, in the NFC, I don't think there's, like, really an upset in the L.A. Rams versus uh, Bucks game. I think those teams are really, uh, you know, equal. And I just don't see uh, Rodgers losing to San Fran uh, right now, at least. But I think, uh, you know, since he could pull it off, uh, Joe Burr has been uh, playing out of his mind the last four weeks. Jamar has been playing out of his mind. Um, or that Buffalo team is going to rebound and get some revenge. I think it'd be one of those two teams. Sorry, just to correct you, Zach. Joe Burrow's been playing well all season. Um, mo moving on to our final playoff picks. 
Uh, okay, we'll start off in the AFC. Zach, uh, Bills, Chiefs, who you got? Uh, I really want to see the Bills to win. Uh, I, especially as a Chargers fan, I, d- I don't want to see the Chiefs win. But I like I, I want to see the Bills win, but I just think Chiefs have been there, done that, and get it done. I want to say 30-24 Chiefs. Max, Bills, Chiefs. And take a picture. Like, maybe we should follow Zach's uh, uh, description, not um, give a score as well. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be the Chiefs. Uh, I don't think it's going to be uh, as close. I think, I think the Chiefs will do what the Chiefs do, and that's give, give a team hope in the first quarter, maybe even in the second quarter. And then by the end, they'll realize that they're the Kansas City Chiefs with the best offense in the league, and they're going to power through and take the game away from the Bills. I think it's going to be an offensive shootout, and I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with uh, 27 to 40. Ooh, that's a big one. I think it is going to be a very close game. Um, and it is going to come down to the wire. And I think it's going to be 28, 24 Buffalo Bills. And the Bills are going to stop, uh, going to stop the Kansas City Chiefs on a final drive. Okay, let's see if these predictions come true. I, I honestly, I think I predict predicted i'd have to go back but i think i predicted the tj watt even score in the last episode i'll have to go back but uh moving on to the other afc game guys uh cincy versus uh the titans uh Gurmy. i'm riding with my guy joe burrow i think he's gonna beat him and i think he's gonna beat him down i have them winning 31 17 oh my god Max. really 31 to 17 and 31 to 17 bank. Uh, oh wow! No, I, I'm, I might, I might see it if it's 31 for the Titans, 17 for the Bengals. But no one, no one on that Bengals squad has been in this position before. I don't, I don't see, I don't see anyone on that team balling out. I see the Titans going in there, doing what they were meant to do all season. Have the best receiver duo in the league. Have the best running back in the league, and just absolutely wipe the floor with Cincinnati. I think that's going to be the most boring game of this weekend. Max, did you just say the Tennessee Titans had the best receiver duo in the league? Yes, they do. When healthy, absolutely. When healthy, absolutely not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to hear that. Who? Who? I would. I would say. Um, let me see. Here are a couple ones that I think are better. I think Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I think. Oh my God. I think uh, J- Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. I think Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. No. Nope. Oh my God! Come on. I think Mike Dub no, and Keenan no, Allen. That, that's that's just outrageous that's, that I just no, heard that's Keenan and Jamar like, over Julio, AJ and Julio. Julio Jones? No, that's no. I mean, Jamar had a fourteen. Absolutely I mean, not. Jamar had a fourteen hundred yard season, and you know, Tegan's balled out himself. Um, Zach would agree with me, and Mike Dub and uh, Keenan Allen, though. I'm taking both uh. of those. <laughs> Oh, my God. You're joking at this point. Are you kidding me? Julio healthy? Julio healthy with an average receiver? They, he's already in the top 10 receivers. Or, or t- and top AJ is no receiver duos. AJ missed a whole bunch of games and still looking at yes. the stats he put up. It's crazy. Nah, dude, yes. take, with I'm taking them for what they are. The quarterback. I'm taking them for what they yeah, are. And, and you got to think, Jeremy, yeah, Tannehill's that QB. Like, no. That is like, a good point. Like, 
it's easy it's easy to say that Godwin and Evans are the best duo when Tom Brady is throwing every single okay, play. But, but, okay, but okay, but AJ Brown is, is not on the level of any of the guys I've mentioned. Yes, he is. He absolutely Go is. look at the stats. Go look at go, the stats. Yes, and he's go look at his stats. All I do is look at the stats, Zach. I'm not like you. I, all I look at is the stats. Dude, I look what at the stats. What are stats then? What are stats yeah. then? Name K. First of all, you can't be like, oh, if they were healthy. No, you got to take them for what they are. As a duo, I don't no, think either don't. of them are on Justin Jefferson's level alone. I would. Uh, you got. You got. Oh you got God, the Tampa Bay bro. guys. They're a thousand yards each. Bro, hey Zach. Hey Zach. I'm. 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 I'm gonna give you a shout out. Recency bias. That is recency bias. Do you guys were. Do you remember how good Julio Jones was? He would. Oh my God. AJ Brown is an easy thousand yard receiver. Julio Jones is. He was arguably the best receiver in his prime. He's hurt. We don't know what he can be. But I guarantee you, when he comes back. And AJ Brown, both healthy. They are the best receiver duo in the league. I think we can all okay. agree. Next episode, we should rank receiver duo duos. Um, moving, but they're not the best. I don't. I don't have them as number one. They are. They're no. not the best. Absolutely no, they not. Are. They absolutely are. No, absolutely they're not. Are. I need no one question. of the numbers that backs them up. They weren't healthy this year. Um, no, I'm sorry. You don't. You don't want to get into Julio's. You do not want to get into. Okay, Julio's I'm numbers. saying 2021. They were not healthy. And so they, I, I'm sorry. Correct. They were there are a bunch of other duos I take over them. Well, not a bunch. Maybe they're third or fourth, but they're not the best receiver duo in the league. Uh, I that's I, I agree that's with strong. both. I agree with both of you in a statement. I think if we get like a healthy Julio and a healthy AJ Brown with you know Tannehill, who's not the best quarterback, who's probably a bottom you know 15 or just at that 15 range, you know. I, I think AJ had like nine tutties and uh, 1,400 yards in his rookie season. He missed a lot. Oh, he didn't. No, he did not. He did not have 1,400 yards. He had like 1,000 and maybe 15. He did not have 1,400. That was Jay Jefferson. Anyways, Max, keep on going. Who, who am I doing? Um, am I doing the Rams and Bucks? Since, since, no, no, you're still doing Cincy. Versus tight ends because you never gave us oh, your I, official right. pick and score. <laughs> I didn't. Um, no, I, I think the Titans are going to win against the Bengals. Uh, like I said, I think it's going to be um, – I think it's going to be the, the, the most boring game uh, of the playoffs. T- t- Titans have been there. Ryan Tannehill has been there. Joe, Joe Burrow has never been there. Ke- Kevin Byard is one of the best safeties in the league. He's he's looking around on that defense, and uh, I got I got to give it to the Titans. Max, you love your safeties. Just, I've I've come to notice that about you. You love your safeties. Safeties make or break a defense. Why Why do you think the Steelers are so good? It's not all T.J. Watt. It's Minka. That's very true. Moving on to the next playoff matchup, we have the Chargers. Oh wait, sorry, the Chargers are in the playoffs. Hey, hey, no, no. Moving on to the Bucks. <laughs> you forgot about me too. You forgot about my prediction. Try to make a funny joke and you just forget about my prediction. But my prediction is, you know, Titans uh, over Cincy. I feel like it's going to be a low-scoring game, but a fun game to watch at the same time, which is a rare thing. I'm going to go 17 Titans, 14 uh, Bengals. You hear that, Joe Burrow? Zach's only going to say that you're going to score 14 points. Well, I'll make it a Hey. That's a very low score for two high-powered offenses. I, yeah, I, I, dude. I just, just got to put that out there. Yeah, I just feel like I feel like something's going to go down there. And, uh, Gurmy, I just want to bring up the A.J. Brown stats. 1,100 yards and 11 TDs when healthy. 
So. Okay, and Justin, let me look at you. Do you want me to go at Justin's rookie year, or are you gonna cry about that too? Because they're not even close. They're not even close. Like we're not. I'm not putting AJ Brown same level as Jay Jettas. And you're smarter than that, Zach. You shouldn't either. Yeah, but Julio's also 1,700 yards and 2018 for Julio. 1,700 yards and eight touchdowns in 2018. 1,600 yards in your second year isn't bad, Max. 1,600 yards in your second year isn't bad. And you guys have no respect for Kirk Cousins, so I don't want to hear the quarterback argument. I think we do have respect for Kirk Cousins more so than Tannehill. Okay, but moving on to Bucks versus Rams. Jeremy, go ahead. This is your game to watch. This is okay. Before I say this, I just want to say this: if the Bengals lose, I'm getting shredded. But if they win, be ready, boys. Be ready. I'll take it either way. I'm either gonna eat it because I have been giving it to Zach, or I'm gonna be giving it out a little bit more. So I'm I'm really digging a hole for myself here. Um, yes, but not but, really. But Bucks Rams. Um, uh, this is a tough matchup, man. I gotta be completely honest with you. I like the Rams matchups more. I think Mike Evans is going to be neutralized by Jalen Ramsey and Christian Wirfs. Uh, we don't know if he's going to be playing. That's in Matt. That's an X factor um, that Zach mentioned before. I should have said Tristan Wirfs. If he's playing, how, how good is he going to be? And is he even going to be playing? So their offensive line is a little hindered. They lost their backup right tackle as well. I think it's Aaron Stinney. Um, you know, Tom's really only doing this with Mike Evans. Uh, I don't really know about his second, third receiving options. Um, you know, you still got playoff Gronk, um, him, him going up against Von Miller. That's going to be a matchup to watch. There are a lot of good individual matchups and in these individual matchups, I never want to bet against, uh, I'm flip-flopping a lot here, boys. I'm really confused, but, um, I'm going to go with the Bucks. I'm going to go with the Bucks. I know I just talked against them. I know I said a lot of things, um, earlier this year against them but i know i even picked the rams initially and if you guys want to call me a, a drifter i will understand but tom in the playoffs and if you and if they lose i'll eat it but uh i will go with the buccaneers uh let me go let me say uh 36 31 it's interesting um i think this game i think it'll be a very interesting game because uh, you look at these two teams and they have two very high-powered offenses, like everyone knows. But they have two very high-powered defenses at the same time as well. They have – I don't even need to go in, into the into I, either of the defenses because they have big names that I think everyone listening should know. But I think it'll be more of a defensive battle than, than, than people think. I don't think it's going to be like 3 to 10 or anything like that. But if I had to give a prediction, I'm going to guess 20, or, uh, 21 to 14. That's a that's also a low scoring game though, Max. I know, and I and I, I totally recognize that, but I, I gotta pull a Zach Zary here and say in my gut, I think this is gonna be a defensive battle. I don't think Brady will, will have that great of a game. I don't think Stafford will have that great of a game. I th- I think this will be one in, in the in the trenches and on the defensive side. That's it's just a gut feeling. Yeah, um, you know, I'm gonna go Rams as well. Uh, Gurmy, you, you mentioned before picking the Bucks. I don't know why you mentioned all these matchups. I sorry, just, sorry. I, I, I just, I just want to make this clear. I got, I have the Buccaneers winning. I, I, I got the Bucks winning twenty-one to fourteen. Just this is make the that hardest clear. matchup, boys. We can agree on that, right? This is it absolutely is. It, I hope this game is good. 
I, I hope too. this game is good. It should be. It should be. But, um, you know, um, Gurmy mentioned all the matchups. I think the Rams win all those matchups, those one-on-one matchups. And I just think they have the better overall team. Cam Akers coming back with that running attack. Um, you know, Devin White's going to be there. I think Devin White's one of the best uh, inside middle linebackers. You know, it's going to be a close game. Um, I, I still have the Rams winning. I'm going to go Rams 27, Bucks 24. It's not a bad pick. No, yeah, it's a, it's a safe pick. Uh, um, and I guess we got we got we got one more. So, Gurmy, give me your thoughts on the San Francisco and Packers game. Here's what I'll say: I am picking the Green Bay Packers. Let me get that out of the way. But I will not totally discount an upset. Okay, let me say that. Um, they, if it comes down to quarterbacks, I got a Rod over Garoppolo all day. Not in looks, though. Let me make that clear. Jimmy Garoppolo is a man rocket. Um, uh, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna come down to if the if the Green Bay Packers can stop the run. It's they've got this game in the back. There's not a. I don't see a cornerback on the Rams on the 49ers that can stop Devontae Adams. Their red zone efficiency is just through the roof. Um, Lambo in January is a very hard place to play. But um, Zach's boy, Elijah Mitchell, he's, he's going to have to pop off and give us a really good game. And uh, we'll see where it goes. But right now, I'm going to say um, it's going to be 38-24 Packers in a high-scoring game. That's a good score. I like that score. Yeah, um, I think I got to go the same. And I said uh, I think if a, if a team was going was gonna to upset anyone, I think it would be San Fran over the Packers. But, but this – this game, I don't know, and I, it's it's another gut feeling. I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be a really close game. I think Jimmy's gonna have a good game. I think he's gonna solidify that quarterback position for, for the 2022 season, 2022, 2023 season, and uh, I think it'll be close. But I, I I think Aaron Rodgers will pull some BS magic out of his ass and just be be, be Aaron Rodgers on that field and just be an absolute wizard. So I'll go with. Uh, I'll go with 34 to 27 for the Packers. And I, I, I think the Packers will have to stop San Fran on a, on, on a last second drive, but, but I, I think they'll get it done. I'm going to go, um, you know, I, I just think this is how the game's going to play out. I think it's going to be neck and neck. I think Debo's going to ball out. Eli Mitchell might have a huge run here and there. I think San Fran's going to be winning 17 to 14. And then Jimmy G is going to throw an interception looking for George Kittle, an absolute duck. And then Green Bay is going to take over in cold Lambeau. And I think it's going to be 37-17 Green Bay. That's fair. I mean, I, I saw a stat today that um, Aaron Rodgers is 0 for 3 in the postseason against the 49ers, but I believe those are all in uh, San Fran. Um Say what you want about Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship games. He does deliver in the divisional. So that's going to be a good game to watch. Let's just hope and pray that the games are – like, even if they're a smidge better, I'll watch them. Like, it, it might have been the first week of football where I'd want to watch, like, the Jigs versus the Jets, like, over a playoff game, which is crazy. Yeah, no, no, no kidding. 
Jags and Jets, honestly, that that that's kind of a good game in in its own respect, though. Say what you want about Jet, the, the New York Jets. Um, they do play in some really interesting games, like which I find really weird. I mean, um, I think because what they had uh they had that really good game against the Jets. They had that really good game against the Bengals, Titans. Um, uh, and then they also like went the distance with uh, Tom Brady. So I, I really, uh, I, I really shout out to the New York Jets. I know people, we people don't say that a lot, but um, I, I, uh, I, they've got a bright future. Just want to throw that out there. And sooner or later, they'll be the best New York team playing football, and that'll make me really sad. Damn, that is sad. <laughs> that is very sad. We've talked about the uh, the NFL postseason. We'll also be. Uh, interviewing John Hodge, a CFL reporter who is a writer for Three Down Nation. But um, before we get into more football, we'll be uh, talking about um, some NHL All-Star over here. Um, the rosters have been announced. We even have our last man in being um, released today. And uh, we just want to give you who we think were snubbed from the game. Um, we'll take a look at some of the rosters that were, uh, that were released. So in the Metropolitan Division, we have Alex Vetchkin, Sebastian Ajo, Jack Hughes, Chris Kreider, Claude Giroux, Adam Fox, best defenseman in the league, uh, Adam Pellick, Zach Wierenski, Freddie Anderson, and Tristan Jari. And the last man in was Mika Zabinajad, but due to some personal reasons, uh, he will not be attending. And that last man in has gone to uh, Jake Ensel of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then the, in the Atlantic, we have Austin Matthews, Patrice Bergeron, Dylan Larkin, Jonathan Huperdo, Nick Suzuki, Drake Patterson, Rasmus Dahlin, Victor Hedman, Andre Vasilevsky, Jack Campbell, and the last man in for the Atlantic, I believe, was Steven Stamkos. Moving on to the Central, we have Nate McKinnon, Clayton Keller, Alex Brinkat, Joe Pavelski, Krokoprizov, Jordan Kairou, Kyle Connor, Kale McCarr, Cam Talbot, UC Soros, and the last man in was uh, Nazem Kadri. And finally, for the Pacific, we have Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Johnny Goudreau, Adrian Kempe, Timo Meyer, Jordan Eberle, Mark Stone, Alex Petrangelo, John Gibson, Thatcher Demko, and the last man in for the Pacific, I believe, was Troy Terry of the Anaheim Ducks. So these are all the rosters. We're going to give you some guys or some names that we thought were snubbed. Uh, we'll start off with Max. Uh, so mine, uh, this is going to fit into the uh, central division here. Uh, for some reason, they, I believe they, they only have uh, one defenseman in uh, Cal McCarr, and uh, rightfully so, definitely deserves that spot. There's another defenseman, and I, I feel like Zach would agree with me on this one. And his name is Roman Yossi, number 59 for the Nashville Predators. Clayton Keller is... Uh, doesn't just doesn't have the numbers to, to match up with Roman Yossi. I mean, it totally has 29 points while Roman Yossi has 40. Uh, Roman Yossi has a better plus minus. I believe he has a six. Clayton Keller has a minus six. Uh, Clayton Keller do, does have him on uh, on gold. I will say that Roman Yossi has 13 compared to Keller's uh, 14. But you have 27 assists matched up to that 15. The Nashville Predators have uh, been on a hot streak uh, as of late. And I, I know they took a, they took a big L to the Canucks three to one today, where Roman Yossi really didn't show up at all, playing playing almost thirty minutes. But they're twenty four and uh, and fourteen. They're third in the Central Division. I think that they have a le legitimate shot at the uh, at having a good playoff run. And I think Roman Yossi is the the, the number one person to, to thank for that. You know, 
you you can say the goalie has uh, has had a lot of a lot of influence over that, but Roman Yossi really has been really has been the defenseman this year for them for sure. Yeah, I just want to quickly add on to this, Max. It's crazy how the Central Division only you know, I, I, there's a lot to dislike here in uh, the NHL format. Um, they don't have, you know, let's say seven forwards make it from each division three defensemen, two goalies. They have it fan voted, and they also have one player on each team must be represented. So, you know, you mentioned Clayton Keller forward for the, the Coyotes. Um, if if he uh, wasn't on the Arizona Coyotes, he would not be on this all-star team. So I just want to briefly uh, touch on this. Do you guys like that format, that one team uh, has to have a player on every team before we move on? Absolutely not. Like, no, me. I, I no. The best players should be in the All Star. Like, regardless of, regardless of anything, the best players should be in the in the All Star game. I, I on one hand, um, I I kind of like it. You know, you you get one team every so every you know, let's say I'm an Arizona Coyotes fan, I can tune in to watch Clayton Keller and his sick mitts during the skills competition or whatnot. So I kind of, kind of like it. Every team is included type of thing. But then I also dislike it because we have guys who were who talking about for snubs, you know, look at that Colorado Avalanche team. You know, there's lots of guys on that team that can make it. Um, the Florida Panthers only have one, one guy going in there The you know, I can go on and on. And I just don't like it how, you know, Max has only one defenseman is in the central division and there's eight forward. Can that doesn't make any it? sense to me. Like, like why is no, only one defenseman? Me either. Me either. No. It's not. It makes no, no, no sense. Kidding. Like, like, why is it, why is it not like a strict rules where it's like seven forwards, three defensemen, two goalies? Like, why is it not strict like that? Why do we have these weird numbers where each team has like different amounts? Like some, some uh, divisions only have one goalie. Some divisions have like six forwards. Like I don't, I don't understand this NHL format. Um, you know, I, I think they should revise it heading into next year because I feel like lots of people are mad at this format. Max, I do agree with Roman Yossi. I would say is a top three defender. I sent Gurney a little Instagram post today showing uh Yossi's stats were better than uh, Kale McCarr and uh, Ekblad and uh, his boy Adam Fox. Um, you know, he's up there in the Norris Trophy right now, ranking. Um, yeah, I, I don't understand how he's not voted in, but then I realized that the format's just, like, completely off, and um, I really don't understand what the NHL's doing, to be completely honest. My only... No, I know, and, like... Sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. Appreciate it, Max. My only, my only thing would be maybe they were counting on uh, one of like a defenseman to be voted in for the last man in. But if you're a fan, you're going to vote for whoever the hell you want. You're not going to look at this form and be like, you know what? I think a defenseman should be in it. I'm all for voting. I, I do not like this last man in thing. Vote for a captain. Sure. By all means, go for it. That's some fun the fans can have. I like the fact that the NBA, that we can vote for our starters, but the reserves are determined. Um, Maybe they were pegging on uh, defenseman being in there for the last man in which is kind of dumb now that, like, I'm really thinking about it. I, I look at, like, the Metro has three defensemen. The, the all, like, and to their credit, all three guys deserve to make it. The Atlantic has two, and then both, you know, teams from the Western Conference only have one. 
which doesn't make any sense. So maybe they were counting on, you know, some dudes from the last man in to make it, but all the last man in votes were uh, forward. So that really doesn't make any sense to me. I think we're going to see, uh, we're going to see some defensemen being added last minute here. And if not, this is just going to be a tough all-star game to watch. Yeah. And like, I just want to give a, like, like another, re- uh, another shout out to uh, Evgeny, Evgeny uh, Kutsunov. Uh He's, he's had a great season in, in Washington and, you know, he, he, he's getting replaced by, by a guy, Jack Hughes, who has 20, who has 20 points and Kutsunov almost has to double his total points. He has uh he has a negative four and plus minus uh, Hughes does. And uh, Kuznov has p- plus 11. Like, you know, you, you, you can go on and on. I just, I, I don't think that this format uh, really gives, uh, really like paints a picture of who, who are the best players in the NHL. And I think that's what an all-star game should be. What format did you guys like the most? Now that we're talking about formats, did you enjoy um, back in the day, uh, where it was just East against West, which me personally is my favorite format. Did you like the fact that they named all All-Stars and then there was a draft? Or do you like how they're doing it divisionally? I missed the draft. I, I, re- I remember as a little kid when they'd have the two captains East. Uh, do you remember this, Jeremy, where they, they had the draft and you could just pick any pl- uh, any player and like the last uh, pick would get a car? Like, I remember, like, as a little kid watching that and just finding it hilarious and seeing these teams. Like, that was, like, one of the main – like, I just make, missed the old All-Star game where, oh like, Oh, my Alex, God. Alex Ovechkin interviewed by uh, Pierre Maguire. And, like, he's like, dude, I need that car. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, or, like, doing um the, the shootout and doing all the gig stuff for, like, the humor and stuff. I missed that, the skills competition. I, I, I truly do miss the early – 2010s all-star game and I, I wish they could go back to it um I I just think it was way better than what they have now I mean they, they're trying to make it interesting um like some of the competitions I I, I find are fun it's kind of like the the pro bowlers um in the NFL and like the slam dunk competition but just hockey related but um yeah I wish they went back to the old format where they did the draft with the two captains and had had some humor aspect to it uh I mean honestly for me, any other any other way would, would have been would have been better than this. I I was a fan of, of the East and West, but I like the draft too. I just I just think this is it's it's a swing and a miss of an idea for the NHL. Yeah, no, um, Zach, we'll get your pick for the most snubbed, but I, I like I like the points, boys. Yeah, um, you know Roman Yossi's um up there for me, but I didn't want to be a homer and say him. But I think I'll go with the most obvious uh, one, as all hockey fans. I'll go with the Rat, maybe one of the most hated uh, players in hockey, Brad Marchand. Um, you know, to me, I don't understand how this guy, you know, ha- didn't get picked. Um, he's on the hottest teams right now. Um, he, I believe he's top 10 in points in the entire league. Um, his plus minus is good. Um, he's a character. If they wanted to add like characters, um, uh, yeah, I, I truly just I don't know why he he was not selected. To be completely honest with you, even though I hate him, do you think that uh, maybe like a reason that he wasn't selected was his personality? Because he's arguably the most hated person in all of hockey. 
I think maybe. I think definitely if he wasn't a captain. But me personally, you got to reward the production. I mean, looking at all the other guys that were named to these teams, it wasn't like a dude that's like widely hated, to be completely honest with you. Um, maybe Claude Giroux, he's not really liked a lot. Uh, I mean, th- th- there's nobody that was chosen that you can say, oh, man, screw this guy. Or, you know, so it might have played a role into it. I'm not too sure. Um, but he deserves to make it. There's no reason that a dude who's top five in points, averaging just over a point per game, should not be in this, in, in, in this, um, in, in this uh, all-star game. But you know, you know he's going to have some fun with that. You know he's going to have some fun with that for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I I don't un- – like, it doesn't make sense to me. Who, who made it for Boston? Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. And his I mean, numbers makes... aren't even really close, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, so I – I don't understand that. I, I like Patrice. Like, I think a lot of people like Patrice a lot better than Marchand. But, you know, like, let's be honest here. Like, Marchand is, you know, putting up the better numbers right now. And, you know, that's what I don't like. Um, it, It's kind of like a popularity contest. Like, I think the NHL, like, again, we're going to go back to this point. They need to revisit this and, like, you know, change it for next year, hopefully. And, uh get a better format here because like having a guy that's uh top five in points not and on one of the better teams in the league and, and is not in the all-star game is ridiculous like it's ridiculous no i'm with you as much and i'll say it again i know we're all thinking it i hate this dude but he deserves it um i gotta be fluid um moving on to my guy i i will say this as much as we're uh, talking about how uh, the, N- the NHL should reward um, players and not just one dude from each team. I was lucky enough to technically have three dudes make the uh, All-Star game. Uh, Adam Fox, who I can argue is the best defenseman in hockey. Um, Chris Kreider, who's just tearing it up for Zach's fantasy team. Um, and today, uh, Mika Zibanejad was uh, elected, but he will not be going, as I've mentioned before. I hope everything is all right with him. It's happy to see him finally get rewarded. I remember in the 2019-2020 like, season, and this was before COVID, he had 41 goals, including a five-goal game. Um, and I think by the All-Star break, he had like 27 goals. Um, and he just didn't make it, which I thought was really dumb. Um, but, uh, you know, Artemi Panarin, I thought would have made it, but he's been dealing with some injuries slash COVID issues. Um, and I'll be honest, I think I've done a pretty good job of not making too many homer picks. But, um, you know, today I'm going to give you guys a bit of a homer pick. Uh, for me, I think the um, I think the the person who was snubbed the most was my goalie Igor Shesterkin, um, and I'm gonna make I'm gonna make his, a case for him. Okay, uh, I think the knock on him is he's only played 23 games. He's been injured and he's had COVID issues. Let's look at the numbers real quick. He is third in the league in shutouts. He only has three, but. You know, only two dudes have more than him, and the dude who leads the league in shutouts only has five. Well, I guess I shouldn't say only has five. Shutouts are very hard to do. But it's, it's not like he's lacking in the shutouts. Save percentage, he is number one. Not two, number one. By a whole point zero zero eight percent he has a 9.39 save percentage. That is damn that is that That is impressive. That's very impressive. He is number one in save percentage. I think um, the two goalies in the Metro that made it before him were Freddie Anderson and Tristan Jari. 
who you know I I, I won't say anything against because they're they're good players, but and to their credit, they're also third and fourth in save percentage. Um, I think this came down to games played. But if you really think about it, if you've if you've played twenty three games and have won seventeen of those starts, his record is seventeen four and two. He has two less wins than both Freddie Anderson and Tristan Jari, and they've both played. Uh, Tristan Jari has seven more games, and Freddie Anderson has two more games. I think that's what it came down to. But you look across the board; the numbers are better. He leads the league in save percentage. Um, he is he is like he has carried this team. I know like offensively we're producing at a pretty good level, but he is the starting goalie for the number one team in the Metropolitan Division, which we've all religiously agreed on is the hardest division in hockey. Um, you know, I look at these numbers and I'm like, you know what, it should have been him. If you guys want to make the case that, oh, well, they wanted more guys from more teams, we've already established that we think that's dumb. Um I, I'm rocking with my boy Igor. I think he should have made it. Yeah, I just think the only reason, you know, the games played is a, a big aspect. Um, you know, Tristan Jari before uh, Gensel made it was the only Penguin on that list. So that that's why he did make it. Um, Freddie Anderson, you know, the, the stats are similar. Only uh, two more games played, um, I believe. So, you know, you can go either way. Um, you know, Igor, you know, could have could have made it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you make a good case. I, and I think at, it's uh, you can argue it. And comparing these two guys, goals against average, it's Igor. Igor has is under is just under two goals a game. Tristan Jari is at two point zero eight. Freddie Anderson is at two point zero three. Not bad by any means, but the difference is less than ten games. It's seven more and five more for Frederick Anderson. So if we're we're not let's let's pretend you don't care about who um about you know getting everyone in, um looking at the numbers and I think twenty three games is enough of a sample size. Zach, in your opinion, who are you taking out of these three, Freddie, Tristan, or Igor? Uh, honestly, probably Igor. Um, you know, I haven't watched too much of uh, uh Tristan Jari this year. Um, but I've, I've heard he's had a, a really big uh, bounce back. You know, he's, he was disappointing the last couple of seasons after uh, that great season. Um, but, you know, honestly, it's been Igor. But, you know, you got to think, too, um, it, it could be said for all, all those goalies you mentioned, how good of a goalie are they when they're playing with uh, such an elite team? Like, we, we look at uh, Philip Grubauer with Colorado and everybody thought he was an elite goalie and then he goes to Seattle and then you kind of saw the fall. So, you know, that's the only thing about goalies is I kind of wonder about those guys if they're on a different team, but uh, that's, that's besides the point, but yes, you make a great case about Igor. Zach, I'm going to have to disagree with you on the sense there. I think it's the goalie that makes the team. I think it's the goalie that makes it a good team. Cause I remember back in the Henrik Lundqvist days, if the Rangers managed to score two or three goals in a game, the game was essentially over because, you know, on most nights, Henrik's not given more than two or three to you. So I, I would say, you know, he's the best goalie on one of the best teams in hockey. Um, I, I don't know. I would have rewarded Igor. I can understand it, though. Like, I, I don't want to just, you know, be like, oh, he deserves it. I understand it, though. I can understand um, injuries. He's missed a couple of games. And if you wanted one guy from – if you wanted a representative from each team – Sure. Um, we've all agreed that that's dumb, though, but I can understand it. 
Um, I'm not happy about it. Um, if I'm being completely honest with you, I don't think he deserved it more than um, Adam Fox or Chris Kreider because they're just having wonderful years. It's business as usual for Adam Fox. I can't say enough for um, how good of a season Chris Kreider is having, and you can attest to that, Zach. I believe it's he's on your fantasy team. Um, he's lining it up. So, I mean, I got a couple of my guys. You can throw in Mika there. I'm happy he got his recognition. But uh, Igor, I, I think he's going to be the next – he's the next guy. I see a lot of Andre Vasilevsky in him. Igor is just good, worked. but he certainly doesn't – certainly doesn't uh, – cer- certainly not no Markstrom. There is he now, Gurney. That's that's okay. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Markstrom has had a good year, though. No, and he, he has. has. He has. And he but was not rewarded. I'm happy about that. No, I, 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 I understand that. I just hope next year they can just fix this problem or just like add another. If they want to do that, represent uh, like one player from each team. No, I'm actually a fan of that in, in the MLB where there's a lot of all stars. And you can have one player from each team. Um, I, I like that because there's lots of people. Just add another player to the All-Star team next year if you want another represent, representation. Make a set lineup where there's like seven forwards, three defensemen, two goalies. Or, or like, like, oh, it just pisses me off that a team can have eight forwards, one defenseman, and two goalies. Or like, and they're not consistent. I, I just really hate that. Cal McCarr is that guy, though. If, if there was to be one goalie on a team, maybe besides Adam Fox, I'd want it to be Cal McCarr. Yeah, one defenseman. Yeah. Uh, to your point, Max, just want to point this out because I'm not accepting any slander from my boy Igor. Uh, your boy Markstrom is seventh in the league uh, in save percentage. He's no scrub, though. I, 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 gotta, I, I will not Ooh. go there. He, he is that guy. It is. This has been a really good year for goalies, though, just in save percentage. And uh, goals allowed. It's 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 hard to be in in the, in that conversation when you guys got when you got guys like Freddie and Igor and Tristan and everyone else in the league who's just doing great. I will say this: shout out Freddie Anderson. I thought he was on the decline. He goes to Carolina. He takes over that starting spot. Um, still don't know why they traded Alex Nedeljkovic. Like I'm, I will never defend that. That just seems really dumb. Um, I w- I did not expect that to happen especially with how good of a rookie season he had. But um, with how good Freddie Anderson is playing, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. He was uh, he kind of got, um, you know, buried uh, behind Jack Campbell, rightfully so. Jack Campbell's been playing great. But, um, you know, there have been a lot of breakout goalies this year. I think Igor was one of them. But, uh, you know, we get to see him, you know, primetime tomorrow night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I do want to add, uh, Gurmy, you know, just go – Back to my point about Grubauer to Seattle and, and struggling, you know, look at, you know, Freddie Anderson, you know, maybe it's him just playing better, but look at that Toronto team without that defense and just the amazing offense. And he, he you know, he gets, he, he gets put at the number two spot and he goes to Carolina where I just think they're a better overall team than the Maple Leafs and he has a better year. And like, look at Nadelkovic who has an unreal rookie year. Um, and then goes to Detroit and struggles, rightfully so, with Detroit. So I, I just think you can make the, make the case for both arguments that a goalie makes the team and a, a team can make the goalie. I think it depends on the different scenarios. We can agree, though, that the goalie is the most important position, though. And how good of a goalie is depend, will it be dependent on how far you go? 
I, I guess so, yeah. Like it's wow. like defense wins champions, and That's so right. the goalies, goalies think, the last line of defense. I think a perfect example for that was the 2012 LA Kings. Jonathan Quick having the postseason for an ages. Oh my god, the flexible shit this guy was doing on a nightly basis, uh, unbelievable. Um, yeah, no. Uh, the one guy that I don't know how he made it over uh, Thatcher Demko. I'm not. I was surprised he made it. I don't know how good of a year he's having. Um, you know, he's not. He's been uh, playing better now. Okay, but I'm looking at the guys above him, and I'm like, he's not. He does not have the save percentage that some of these guys do. Um, so I was. Jeremy, like, but you got to think: was there any other Vancouver Canucks selected, or was he their representation? Well, you could do it better than Thatcher Demko. You could have given love to J.T. Miller. I'm. <sighs> I love me some JT Miller. I he's love coming back to the Rangers. I'm calling it right now. He's going to get traded back <laughs> to the Rangers. Um, you could have done a better job than Thatcher Demko. Like, I'm sorry. I don't – like, you – some of these guys don't deserve to be on it. I'm not going to get, you know, too big into that. I don't think Thatcher Demko should have made it. And um, to uh, to my boy Max's credit, I don't think he should have made it over Markstrom. So, Go Flames. They've had a solid year this year. The Flames are making some noise for uh, for a playoff push, Max. How, how do you feel about that? Uh, I honestly, like, right now, it's kind of – I honestly just love the team. Like, like that's that's kind of just the nice thing about this year is I love Elias Fulham, Manjapan. Markstrom is the new Kippersoff. I'm going to say that right now. Johnny Hockey's there. Uh, um, Matthew's there. You know, uh, we, we got Milan Lucic, who, who offers a good veteran presence for those young guys. I think that we're going to make some noise. I think we're going to continue to make some noise. And if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Elias Holdem holds the league record for the best plus minus. I could definitely be wrong on that. The last time I checked, he was definitely up there. Um, I think the Eastern Conference is pretty much set because the um, I think the only team that's going to be competing for a wild card in the East will be Detroit. Um, but you got my Rangers who are six, three, and one, um, you know, leading the Metro. Uh, you've got both Florida teams, not just leading their divisions, but are top of the league right now. Uh, you've got Zach's Predators who are solidified at the, um, you know, the, they're the three seed in the Central. Uh, they're 10th overall in the league, which I did not expect. I mean, I remember Zach complaining like about his, uh, about his coach. And I'm like, uh, which Zach can speak more to. But, you know, I look at this team and they're a good team. So, Zach, I'm going to get you to elaborate a little bit more on that later. Um, the San Jose Sharks, wow, that was a team I was not expecting to do anything. And to Max's credit, while they're not in the playoff spot, they're, uh, the Calgary Flames are two wins out with uh, six games on hand on the San Jose Sharks. So that might be really big as we uh, approach the, uh, the, uh, the end of the year. But, um, you know, that's, uh, that's it for the NHL. Uh, well, those conclude our debates for the day. We will now be shifting towards our interview for the day. Uh, we are very excited to have our next guest. He is a reporter for the CFL and a writer for 3 Down Nation. We will now be interviewing CFL reporter John Hodge. Hello, everyone. And today on A Well-Placed Coast, we have a very special segment. We have an interview with Mr. John Hodge, CFL insider and reporter for 3 Down Nation. Thank you so much for being with us today here, John. Hey, it's my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Uh, and so for the first one, but before we step into uh, uh, any, uh, any, any football here, 
We just want to quickly give you a chance to share how exactly you ended up in this field and with this job at, at Three Down Nation. That's a great question. Um, I, I have a remarkably um, unorthodox route to sports media. Uh, I grew up in Winnipeg. I was a massive Lou Bomber fan. I had the misfortune of being born six weeks after the 1990 Grey Cup. Uh, which means that, uh, yeah, throughout, throughout my, my fan and with the team, I, I never saw a championship, which is too bad. I've covered two, which is nice. I, I wasn't able to make it to either game, unfortunately, but, um, you know, the, the team's obviously been very good the last couple of seasons. Um, and yeah, I, I, I basically started at three down, um, as a result of starting my own independent blog, uh, called blue bomber talk. Uh, I called it that because I'm uh, very creative and uh, basically it was an opportunity for me to write as a fan and, and, you know, uh, uh, share my thoughts, feelings, opinions about, about the bombers and the CFL as a whole. And that would have been, I think I launched in, in 20, would have been April of 2014, 20, yeah, 2014. And uh, I, I decided to really get serious about it the next year. And I launched my own website called Blue Bomber Talk. And my goal was to make money from it in a year. And uh, I think three days after I launched, I got an email from Drew Edwards, who let me know that they were starting a website called 3 And basically it was going to be a, you know, kind of an umbrella site for a bunch of fan bloggers. So three days after launching my website, I took it down and I joined 3 Down Nation. And um, I've, I've been there ever since, uh, you know, we're going on almost seven full years now, which is crazy. It, it kind of feels like yesterday, but, you know, as time has gone on, I've, I've kind of transitioned from, you know, the fan blogger side to, I guess, more of a, uh, a hard journalism side, um, doing insider work, you know, covering the draft more intensely. But at the end of the day, in my heart of hearts, you know, I, I'm, I'm still kind of that fan blogger um, who's all about, uh, you know, loving the CFL and, um, you know, share, sharing opinions. That's, that's still, at the end of the day, my favorite kind of work that I do. So that's, that's in a roundabout way how, uh, how I got to be what I'm doing now. Oh, that's awesome. That, that, that's a great journey. John, that's incredible. Obviously, you mentioned that at heart you are a fanboy. Um, and we can all relate to that. Ultimately, you know, we are all just fans of, you know, sports. We love watching and we love sharing our own opinions. And, you know, that's kind of why we got started. So the fact that, you know, we can relate with you, um, you know, that's pretty incredible. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, on a side note, um, we're going to get all into the CFL right now. Just one more question before we do. I know you're a CFL guy, sure. but um, do you watch any NFL or college football? And if, you, and if so, uh, what teams uh, do you uh, support? Yes, I do. So I, I've, I've, you know, the CFL is, is certainly number one in my heart always has been, but I, I have also always been an NFL fan. Um, you know, when, when I was a, a really little kid, I think, I think the first kind of real memory that I have of, of watching football was the 1996 Grey Cup, um, which was a sensational game. Um, I believe that was this, I, I, I always mix up 96 and 97 because it was uh, the Argos both years, but the, um, you know, it was Doug Flutie, regardless, uh, winning the Great Cup both years with Toronto. And uh, I love Doug Flutie. Um, he's just such an, such an amazing player. I was so exciting to watch that 
as a little kid, when I learned that he went to the NFL, you know, he was with the Bills for years or the Chargers. I just cheered for whoever Doug Flutie was playing for. So when I was a little kid, I would cheer for, uh, I cheered for the Bills for years. Then they went with Rob Johnson and I hated the Bills and I cheered for the Chargers. And then we with Philip Rivers and then I hated the Chargers and I cheered for the Patriots. And uh, so I was a Flutie follower until he kind of retired. And I, I was also an avid Madden player as, uh, you know, I, I think is extremely common today. Back when I was a kid, you know, growing up late 90s, early 2000s, it wasn't as common. Madden was like, I, I played it on like desktop computer, um, which uh, which I know makes me sound old because I am, I suppose, in some ways. But um, so I, I was always an NFL guy. If I had to pick, you know, I, I, I have a good buddy of mine, my, my, my best friend, KJ, has always been a diehard Raiders fan. So I kind of adopted the Raiders as my team a few years ago. But uh, I wouldn't say that my fandom is hardcore. Um, it's uh they're they they've also been a pretty sad franchise over the past five ten years so that doesn't help uh college football i've i didn't grow up with it i've gotten into it in the last few years largely through covering the cfl draft um you know it, it's becoming more and more prevalent that top canadian talent will not even just go to the ncaa for college they'll actually go down to the states to these top prep schools in you know florida virginia a lot of them in the in the southern united states for their you know, junior, senior years of high school, specifically to get recruited to big programs. When you have guys like Josh Palmer going to Tennessee and then getting drafted in the third round of the NFL draft by the Chargers, or, you know, you, you've got players like Chase Claypool going to Notre Dame, getting picked in the second round by the Steelers. Like that, that to me, <coughs> excuse me, is, is a really nice entry point uh, for, for college football, at least for me as a, as a diehard Canadian fan. Um, you know, uh, I, I'll be honest, I don't watch a lot of college football for fun, uh, because especially during the CFL season, if I tried to get in any more football on the television, my wife would divorce me. Um, Saturdays, uh, I, I try to do a better job of sharing the television because, um, uh, you know, Thursday nights, you know, Friday nights and Saturdays during during the CFL season, it's on 12 hours a week. So um, I have a hard time sneaking in NFL until the season. NFL season's done. And then if I'm sneaking in NFL, I, I can't really sneak in college. So I usually catch up on college after the fact on YouTube and uh, usually for, uh, you know, following specific players. I don't have a college team. Um, if I did, uh, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I, I don't know if I have a specific team. I mostly just follow the Canadians. Very similar. Similarly, I suppose, to how I followed Doug Flutie many, many years ago uh, while he was with uh, a bunch of different teams down in the States. That's awesome to hear. Um, obviously, you mentioned Claypool, Josh Palmer, who I'm familiar with being a Chargers fan. Um, who do you have, uh, in your opinion, that that is Canadian who has the biggest impact uh, on their respective NFL team? Is it a guy like Javon Holland who should have been a pro bowler or, or guys like that? You know, and hey, as a Chargers fan, that's that's pretty exciting, Zach, because you've got, I think, four Canadians on that team. Plus, I think Ryan Hunter's on the PR as well. That's it, man. It's, it's crazy that we have people in Canada who want fewer Canadians on CFL teams, yet there's American teams, NFL teams with five, five Canadians on the roster. Anyway, um, you know, to me, Javon Holland had the best season of any Canadian player in the NFL in 2021 he sensational rookie season i was surprised he wasn't a first round pick uh coming out of of oregon i know that he sat out 2020 maybe that hurt him i'm not sure 
but he, I think, took that job by, you know, just, just like he, he was very seamlessly, very seamlessly uh, stepped into the spotlight in Miami, did great things. To me, he was number one. Chase Claypool was number two. Um, ben Roethlisberger's arm has had better days. I think we've, you know, it's pretty obvious at this point that we've seen the last of Big Ben. Um, which is probably appropriate because because Ben Roethlisberger got drafted when I was 13 and I turned 31 last week. So, you know, if he's been around since I was in grade seven, it's probably time. Tom Brady, he's obviously the exception. He just he'll play forever. But but Big Ben, you know, it's pretty clear that he's done at this point. And if he's done, um, you know, it, it obviously depends on who they bring in. But, you know, there's rumors that, you know, Aaron Rodgers might be interested in going to Pittsburgh. There's rumors of of them potentially recruiting all kinds of, uh, of, of sensational quarterbacks who, who may or may not become free agents. So it, obviously if that happens, and this is my, this is a prediction I'm leading up to my prediction is that we could see in 2022, two Canadians make the pro bowl. I would love to see Javon Holland make the pro bowl out of the AFC with, you know, at safety and then, and then chase Claypool. He's, he's knocked on the door for a thousand yards, both seasons. I think this season he had like eight sixty eight or something like that, but with the 17 game regular season and a better quarterback, I think he could do it next year. Then, then for me, number three was, was Chuba Hubbard. His yard per average is not very good, unfortunately um, in Carolina. But that being said, I mean, the, the Panthers can't throw the ball and their offensive line is mediocre at best. So you know, I, I, I cut him some slack in that regard. You, you'd like to see him at least at four yards next year, um, assuming that he's back rotating with Christian McCaffrey, though, as any fantasy player knows, Christian McCaffrey's had a really tough time staying healthy the last few years. So those are my top three from this season. Honorable mention I'd give to the University of Manitoba's David Onyemata, who, who missed a bunch of time because he was suspended. Um, but he did have not, not any flashy stats, but at least on PFF, he had a really great grade as an interior defensive lineman for the new or new Orleans saints. It's, it's, it's really like, as like hearing you talk, like there, I have a lot of respect for you because you ride with your Canadian guys. And it's not like you, you know, there's, you'll mention some of them, you know, all of them and their stats and like the production that they're giving you. So that's, that's really impressive. I just needed to get that one off my chest. Um, before I ask you my next question, uh, Trent, like you mentioned Chase Claypool and obviously he's really big, um, you know, social media wise, um, he's becoming a superstar. I remember his rookie year. He absolutely torched me in fantasy when he had that four touchdown game, but the one <laughs> The one thing I want to ask you is, do you ever watch him? And I know me and Zach, we've talked about this. Have you ever watched him? I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Have you ever just had like some of those moments just watching him? Well, I'll, I'll say this for, for easily the best Canadian receiver in the NFL. He doesn't act very Canadian. And I'm, I'm you know, I guess I'm generalizing, stereotyping a little bit, but generally speaking on the world stage, when you talk to people, from other countries about their perceptions of uh, Canadians, right? They, they often say, oh, Canadians are so nice. Canadians are so meek. Canadians are so quiet. Canadians are so apologetic. And Chase Claypool is none of those things. He's in your face. He's loud. He's proud. He's aggressive. He is, a, he, he's about Chase, right? He, he, he's, he has a healthy ego. And that might sound like a criticism. And there have been times where I think the criticism of him as well was well-deserved. 
uh, a classic moment would be this season. I, I forget which week it was off the top of my head, but it was relatively late in the season. He made a catch with less than a minute to play and he was hot dogging after the catch, instead of getting the ball to the line of scrimmage to get it snapped. And he cost his team a few seconds and he had a few teammates who were extremely upset about that, which is valid. Uh, but at the end of the day, like if you're, a, you know, if you're on the NFL level, obviously humility is important in any industry, but like you're going up against, you know, 250 pound linebackers who are trying to take your head off. You're going up against world-class athletes on every single play, um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, especially as a young player in the league, um, you know, and granted, he did go to a major American college. It's not like he was at a D2 school or something like that. Like he, he played in front of the big crowds and such, but, you know, I, I give him more of a pass, I think, than I would maybe other other players, just because, you know, it, it, it's, it's a position, first of all, that attracts people who are prima donnas. It attracts people who are maybe all about them. There's, there's not a lot of cocky old linemen, you know, who, who are vain. Uh, receiving rooms are full of those guys. It's kind of a personality thing. Um, and uh, so, so I, yes, I, I do shake my head occasionally what Chase does, but at the same time, I, I cut him, excuse me, I cut him at least a little bit of slack because I think, uh, you know, he's, I, I think he will mature, but also I, I can appreciate where he's coming from considering what he's asked to do every single Sunday. That's fair. That's fair. And um, th that's fair. And I think as what you mentioned, we're going to be seeing more of him. If he gets a quarterback that can throw him the ball downfield, he was definitely going to have that, like um, that splashes that we saw from him last year. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I watch him sometimes and I just get frustrated and I'll be like, dude, what are you doing? But uh, moving on to the CFL now, um, you work for Three Down Nation, which is one of the largest media outlets for the CFL. Uh, you have seen and have reported a lot. Um, this might not be true. I was just wondering, has there ever been news that you've reported where you've just been like, damn, like, really? Has there, <laughs> has there, ever, been, has there ever been anything like that? That's a great question. Um, I would say the, the biggest one uh, that I've come away in somewhat of a state of shock was in February of this year, I received an email from that seemed very spammy. It did, it did come to my main inbox for, for three down. Um, but it was somebody asking about whether or not I'd heard of the XFL purchasing the CFL. And they said, have you heard anything about this? And I said, no, that that's never going to happen. And about three weeks later, the CFL made an announcement in coordination with all nine of their teams and the XFL, which had recently been purchased uh, by The Rock and Danny Garcia and that group, um, you know, about a potential collaboration. Now, as we know, uh, a collaboration never materialized, it never finalized. Um, we do know that they were in serious talks about some type of collaboration. Uh, they always stopped short of calling it a merger. I certainly behind the scenes heard the word merger thrown out there here and again. Um, but that was something that, you know, you get an email from a random person and uh, asking from the United States. And I also don't have hard evidence of this, but I, through talking to some other people who received similar emails, um, my hunch is that this was an XFL executive or an XFL investor using a pseudonym 
and a spam email address, sending emails to a bunch of Canadian outlets just to basically see, hey, is are, are there any leaks north of the border? Uh, because most of the leaks that came out about those negotiations or you know discussions, whatever you want to call it, came from south of the border. So I think they were checking for leaks, seeing if there was any hype, any buzz. I didn't hear any of it except for that email. But obviously, my jaw just about hit the floor when the CFL made that announcement. And then again, a few hours later, when I remembered, oh, my God, like three weeks ago, I got this email that, you know, I, I forgot about about five seconds. Out. It's like, what, the XFL buying to see it? Like, no, like that, that's, that's, that's like that, that would not even be something I could, I could fathom occurring. And then all of a sudden you get an announcement from the CFL. So that, that would be one thing. And I didn't report it but it was something that uh, somebody reached out to me about. And obviously it was not, uh, it wasn't the complete another lunacy that I thought it was. That is crazy though. That is crazy though. Uh, so John, I just want to transition uh, to uh, this season so far in the CFL or what has become of the off season, I guess. And there've been some very key uh, uh, sign. Uh, re-signings from team in the CFL. I just want to get your opinion on some of them. Which ones you thought might have been uh, the best moves and then what kind of free agent moves could really improve uh, some teams? Well, I, I think the most interesting one thus far is, and, and maybe at, at the surface, I don't think it's that interesting, but I'll tell you why I think it's the most interesting. Bolivai Mitchell redoing his deal for 2022 at the Calgary Stampeders. I think is the most interesting because of the way in which it impacts everything else. Because if Bo decides, and let's remember, Bo Levi Mitchell signed a contract worth, I believe it was $725,000 per season wow. back in 2019. He made that money in 19. He took a pay cut for 2020, took another pay cut for 2021. And he's now taken a third and second pay cut for 2022. Um, he's still making over $500,000. He's still, I believe, the second paid player in the league. But I know if, if my employer came to me three years in a row and said, hey, we're going to have to ask you to take less to do the same amount of work, I would, have, I would grow frustrated with that organization, regardless of what the organization was, regardless of what the industry was. Nobody wants to take three pay cuts in a row. It's like you signed this contract. Like you should at the very least be prepared to honor it. And uh, we know, unfortunately, that doesn't happen all the time in pro sports, particularly in sports like football, where the contracts are often not fluency. But if you're Bolivar Mitchell and you decide you, you, you can get more money elsewhere, all of a sudden there's there's openings, right? You know, I, I'm sure the Toronto Argonauts would have been interested in potentially adding Bo. I think Chris Jones and Edmonton would have been interested in adding Bo. And if that hadn't occurred, let's not forget too. Jake Mayer re-signed with Calgary first, who uh, looked awfully good in a few opportunities to start there in 2021. Um, you know, all, all of a sudden, the, the entire landscape of the league changes. Um, you know, Dane Evans re-signed in Hamilton. That looks like status quo. Um, you know, Cody Fajardo is the guy in Saskatchewan. Uh, Nick Arbuckle got some guaranteed money in Edmondson. Mike Riley, we don't know what's going on in BC with him, if he's going to be back or retire. But Trevor Harris is a free agent. Jeremiah Mazzoli, it's looking like he's going to be switching teams. He's not going back to Hamilton, I don't think. Um, Zach Kolaris is a free agent, but I, I think there's a good chance he's back in Winnipeg. Um, but anyways, so there's still lots of the carousel, the spin for quarterbacks. But man, when Bo resigned, I think that was 
you know, that was a very key domino to fall because had it fall, fall in a different way, I think the entire landscape of the offseason changes. Because if you don't have a quarterback in the CFL, you got nothing. Right. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I just want to just give your, uh, your, your basic preview and uh, predictions for the season, maybe like uh, the Great Cup winner, MOP, just pl- players to watch out for. Interesting. I mean, I, I think I want to, before making any firm predictions, I think I'd probably want to wait to see how free agency turns out. But but that being said, I mean, you know, I, I do think, you know, I think Edmonton is going to be a really interesting team to watch. And I, I mentioned them because, you know, Edmonton was a team that I thought on paper looked phenomenal heading into the 2021 season. Trevor Harris and Jamie Elizondo had a lot of success during their tenure together in Ottawa. When Elizondo was the OC, Trevor Harris was under center. Um, Obviously that was the case. They were terrible in 2021. I'm not sure I've ever seen a team in the CFL in my 20 some years of watching and covering the league. I don't know if I've ever seen a team uh, be less than the sum of their parts, if that makes sense, on paper and on the field. I don't think I've ever seen a team with a greater discrepancy. They, they were they really slick on paper, and they were awful on the field. So I think Chris Jones is going to do great things with that defense. That has always been true of Chris Jones. Wherever he is, great defense follows. Um, I think the question becomes, you know, uh, uh, first of all, if Nick Arbuckle's the guy, uh, can he do enough on the offensive side of the ball? And then secondly, can Chris Jones handle all of these different roles? Uh, because that was a big question mark. Um, you know, in, in Saskatchewan, he, he was the GM. I believe he was the vice president of football operations. He was the head coach and he was the DC. There were times where I think he was simply trying to wear too many hats and he wasn't able to do all those things successfully. So I'm watching Edmondson. Um, they're my bounce back team. If, wow. if, uh, if things go well, Winnipeg, I still think will be good. I think the bulk of that roster will be back. Yeah. Saskatchewan just has, has to tweak things here and there uh, to take that next step. Um, BC. I'm very curious to see what happens with Michael Riley. If he's yeah. not there, you know, do, do they make a play for Trevor Harris? Let's not forget Trevor Harris was the quarterback in Ottawa when Rick Campbell was the head coach there. So they have some familiarity, but Nathan Rourke, the Canadian under center is also very good there. Calgary. I think they're recharging a little bit, but they're still the same. Um, Montreal, you know, I think Harry Jones was on some thin ice at the end of that season with another first round playoff exit. They have to take a step. Um, Toronto is a big question mark. Uh, they've essentially lost their whole coaching staff outside of head coach Ryan Dinwiddie. Um, so I, I think it's very interesting. Um, I, I think it's too early to do standing predictions, um, MOP predictions, but Man, it's uh, it's never a dull moment in the CFL, that's for sure. No, no, never. You 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 can never count a team out. You can never count a player out. Every every season, every team has a fair chance at going to the cup. Certainly, yeah, and I think that's something that's that's really special about the CFL and the way in which teams can bounce back quickly, right? If if you know the the perfect example of that I think would be the the Ottawa Red Blacks, who were an expansion team in 2014 won two games and then went to the great cup the following year. Um, you know, they, they went out that off season. I think they signed, pretty sure they signed five top receivers. It was Mo Price, Brad Sinopoli, Ernest Jackson, 
Greg Ellingson and Chris Williams, I think was oh, the fifth gosh. one. They just, yeah, they went out, they bought the best receiving core in the CFL and, and they already had Henry Burst there. So, you know, they, they gave their young Canadians another year and all of a sudden it was like, yeah, Ottawa's gone from like worst to first. And, and they, and, and in that great cup, they gave, uh, that was the 15 great cup. They, they gave Edmonton a run for their money. And then they, they came back the next year and won it against Calgary. So Absolutely. As much as Ottawa was terrible in 2021, no. who knows? Maybe maybe we'll be sitting there. They'll be in the Great Cup in 2022. That's Crazier right. things have happened. Crazier no. things have happened. <laughs> no kidding. You know, John, uh, you're speaking of uh, the Edmonton Elks, and that kind of relates to my next question here. I as well thought the Elks would be way better than what they, they were on the field uh, this past season. And I just wanted to ask you, like, Chris Jones and Stephen McAdoo are now there. Um, what do those guys kind of bring, especially Chris Jones, who who we we know well in Saskatchewan, what he's going to bring back to the CFL here? Well, I mean, I mean Chris Jones will bring you a great defense. And, you know, I, I, I would suspect that he's going to do his best to bring back some familiar faces who he's worked with before. I think if Willie Jefferson, who he had in Edmonton and Saskatchewan, was a free agent still, I think that Edmondson would have made a handsome uh, or given him a handsome payday, uh, really made a run to bring it back to Edmondson. Uh, another guy I'll highlight is Dexter McCoyle, who was the most outstanding rookie under Jones in Edmondson, played at a very high level there before, before going to the NFL. He was in Toronto this past year where Chris Jones took over as the defensive coordinator halfway through the season. Um, and I don't think he's going to be the only Argo who Chris, Chris Jones makes a play for. Uh, another guy I'll highlight is, is Cameron Judge, who is with Saskatchewan, as you know, signed with Toronto. Um, and let's also, <laughs> the other connection I'll point out is Chris Jones was in Saskatchewan when they drafted Cameron Judge. John Murphy was uh, kind of the de facto GM there. John Murphy signed Cameron Judge to the Argos in free agency. Um, he's now been relieved of his job. Murphy's no longer in the league, but Chris Jones is. So Chris Jones had Judge in Saskatchewan. He had him in Toronto. I would not be surprised whatsoever if he brings him to Edmonton, along with a few other uh, familiar characters. So, you know, I, I think that's something that you can take to the bank is Chris Jones is going to bring in some familiar faces and they're going to have a great defense. To me, the question is, what is the offense going to look like with Stephen McAdoo? Uh, because Stephen McAdoo's offense, as I once heard someone cleverly say, sometimes looks like a Mac adult. Um, it, uh, it, they, they do some things well. Um, and I think, you know, Cody Fajardo had an excellent season under McAdoo in, in 2019 after Chris Jones departed for the NFL. Uh, but the first three years that they were together in Saskatchewan, uh, their, their offenses were not good. Granted, they had a, a, a carousel spinning a quarterback between Brandon Bridge and Kevin Glenn and Zach Kolaris and, and a bunch of guys. But, um, you know, Stephen McAdoo is also not unfamiliar with Nick Arbuckle because he was the offensive line coach in Toronto this past year. Jarius Jackson was the OC in Toronto this past year. So that new coaching staff in Edmonton knows exactly what Nick Arbuckle is. They know exactly what he does well, what he doesn't do well, what he likes to do, what he doesn't like to do. Um, so for that reason, I, I think that that gives him a little bit of a leg up if Arbuckle is the guy, but they got to figure things out on the offensive side of the football. Um, I think just as, just as I think, because I think that we can take it to the bank. The defense is going to be good. But the, uh, the offense has to figure things out. And I don't think you need a great offense to be successful. Let's remember 
Saskatchewan won a ton of games in 17 and 18 with a very poor offense or, or a, a very mediocre offense. If Edmondson can have a middling offense in 2022, I think they could be very successful because, again, we know that defense is going to be on point. And um, we don't know who the special teams coordinator is going to be yet, but we should find that out next week. Yeah, John, uh, the Elks just certainly have a lot of question marks around them th this upcoming season. And another team does. And as you know, uh, me, me and Zach are, are diehard Ryder fans. And these past two seasons, they've been really heartbreaking. We've, we've been so close going to the Great Cup and the Bombers have knocked us out twice. What do you think? What do you think Saskatchewan needs to do to try to get over that hump and get back to the Grey Cup? In Ryderville in 2021, and I totally appreciate the criticism from Ryder fans. But the thing I I try to point out and have them remember is, you know, Taryn Vaughn, left tackle, goes down with shoulder surgery in training camp. The replacement for him was supposed to be Cyrus Kawanjo, former NFL draft pick out of Alabama. He retires due to a bad knee in the middle of training camp. And on the right-hand side, you're supposed to have Jacoby Cofield to tackle, and he retired not long before training camp. So, like, before the first snap of the season, Saskatchewan was on their fourth and fifth string tackles. And on the inside, the offensive line, you know, Hall of Fame guard Brennan Labatt chose not to play. So, yes, the offensive line could have been better. Um, but, you know, if, if you go across the league and you take up the, the top three tackles and, you know, the best interior blocker, arguably of a generation, every offensive line is going to struggle to some extent. So, you know, personnel wise, I give them I give them a bit of a break on that. I think what what Saskatchewan really needs to do, because the defense, I think, was on point in Saskatchewan. The defensive line was great. Um, they, they certainly applied a lot of pressure to the quarterback. They did not miss Charleston Hughes. They did not miss Cameron Judge at all. The secondary is on point. I just think Cody Fajardo has to get a little bit more consistent. I think Cody Fajardo, and he talked about this a few times during the 2021 season, I think the pressure got to him a little bit in Ryderville. And to be honest, I, I, I saw that coming to an extent because, you know, being the, the backup quarterback in Saskatchewan, but by default makes you one of the most popular people on the planet, right? It's like being the backup goaltender of, uh, you know, of, of, of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Everybody assumes that you're amazing because the first, the first slip up from the first string, you know, all of a sudden everybody wants you in. And that's the treatment he got in 2019. Zach Kolaris takes the hit boom from Simone Lawrence. Cody Fajardo comes in and the expectations are remarkably low, right? At that point, Ryder fans are going, okay, our season's done because Kolaris is hurt. Maybe this kid can win us a few games. What does he do? 13 and five hosting the West final for the first time and whatever that was, you know, 50 years or something ridiculous. Well, 2021, you come in, what's the expectation? The expectation is 13 and five hosting the West final. And they, they fell short of that. They had a good season. Fajardo had a pretty good season. Um, but the expectation and the result could not have been more, more, more opposite of the preceding season in 2019. So I think Cody Fajardo needs to work with, uh, uh, and I don't know if he is doing this or not, but I think before the season gets underway throughout the off season, I think he will be smart to work with a sports psychologist, 
uh, and work with some people to get his head right because there were times where he got very emotional these past this, this past season. He spoke to the media about how reading hateful things on social media was really bothering him. You know, people were saying nasty things about him, nasty things about his family. And the other thing I think somebody in that organization needs to do is say, Cody, give me your phone. Like, you, you need to stay. And he, he wants the connection to fans. I appreciate that. You know, he's a role model in the province of Saskatchewan. He wants to engage with people on Twitter, which I totally admire. But at the end of the day, his job is to win football games. And if it's affecting his ability to win football games, they need to get him a social media manager and say, look, someone's going to take care of this for you. You need to worry about what's on the field. Let somebody else worry about what people are saying on Twitter. Um, so to me, that's the biggest thing. They have to get Cody Fajardo right. And I don't think that has as much to do with football as people might expect. I, I think that I think that's more getting Fajardo the person right because the stage, you know, he he was great in 2019, but in 2021, with the expectations being different, the stage looked a little bit too big for him at times. The lights looked a little bit too bright. He needs to. He needs to get right for 2022, and I think they'll be just fine. All right, I couple couple of Ryder fans are, de are definitely hoping that this season. Well, and listen to what Ryder fans say about Isaac Harker, right? You know, I'm sure that was that's talked about all the time in Saskatchewan. It's like, oh, Cody Fajardo is not looking good. We got to get Isaac Harker in there. It's like, well, Isaac Harker is completely unproven, right? He's right. he he's he's done nothing yet. I'm not saying he's good or he's bad or whatever but he's a total question mark um, just like Cody Fajardo was back in 2019. So, you know, um, the expectation is different. He's now a franchise guy and he's got to make it happen. And um, I don't think football, I don't think the athletic side is, is what he has to work on. I think it's the mental and emotional side he has to work on. Cause I think that is what was his, uh, his downfall yeah. in 2021. Yeah, I agree. With that. <clears throat> so John, you know, I'm a Canadian kid. Max is a Canadian kid. We grew up watching the CFL. You know, my dream has always been to play in the CFL. You know, I'm close to that dream, you know, here at the University of Saskatchewan playing football. But, you know, the always the main emphasis and a talking point in the CFL is how do you think the CFL expands and grows a, a larger fan base here, especially with the kids? Well, uh, that's a great question. I think the most important important thing that the CFL can do is maximize opportunities that the NFL can't take advantage of because we know that the NFL has grown popularity tremendously in Canada, even just over the last 10 years, um, particularly among young Canadians. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's four down football. That's the attraction because if four down football was the attraction, then college football would be taking off and the AAF and the XFL and all these other leagues would be taking off. We're not seeing that. We're seeing is the, the NFL in particular is growing in popularity. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, that boils down to two things. It boils down to Madden, which every kid grows up playing on their Xbox and their PlayStation these days. And, and the other one is fantasy football. Because like I have friends who, you know, they, they've never played football. They don't even like football. They don't even watch the games, but they have a fantasy team. And, and ask me, hey, did, did Mike Evans score a touchdown today? And I'm like, how do you know who Mike Evans is? And they're like, oh, I, I have him on fantasy. And it's like, we, like, we've known each other for 20 years and you've never once talked about football, but all of a sudden you're into fantasy. So, so anyways, 
you know, the, the CFL will never have a video game that rivals Madden and the CFL, um, you know, fantasy, they could try, but fantasy doesn't work as well with nine teams as it does with 32. Um, so I think what, what the CFL has to do is go into schools. I think the CFL has to engage young people face to face, because as much as kids in Canada might grow up idolizing, you know, Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert um, or, or Derek Henry, you know, those guys are never going to read at a school in Hamilton, or they're never going to come and play a game of pickup basketball at a school in Edmonton. Like th those, those things are just never going to happen. Uh, frankly, they don't even do those for teams, you know, for, for their local teams, you know, NFL players are completely inaccessible. Kids will never get an opportunity to meet Tom Brady or, or, or whoever else, but they can shake hands with Cody Fajardo, or it's very easy to get an autograph from, from Bolivar Mitchell, right? And that's what makes the CFL special. So it's not a quick fix solution. It's not something that, that will change the, the course of the CFL's popularity next week or next month or even next year. But, you know, where the CFL is healthy, obviously where you guys are in Saskatchewan, the CFL is very healthy. You know, the CFL is very healthy in Manitoba where I grew up. You know, I, I remember being a kid and having Chris Walby at one of my, you know, peewee practices. I remember growing up and having, you know, members of the Bombers come and play basketball at, at my my elementary school. You know, we had like Matt Sheridan and, and Rylan Wickman and Dave Donaldson, like the guys who would live in Winnipeg year round. In the wintertime, you know, they would do that throughout the winter. They'd, they'd go to schools every week and play, play pickup basketball. So, you know, those are the things that I've always remembered that, you know, I think they stick with most kids, even if that's their first exposure to this team. Oh, and then they see the highlights on, you know, you know when I was a kid on, on the evening news, nowadays they might see them on Twitter or Instagram and they go, wait a minute, I've, I've met guys from this team. I know this, wait, is this the, oh, these are the guys, right? Like that could be the connection for, for kids whose parents maybe don't follow the CFL, but maybe that's the, that's the route that they can use to follow the CFL. So, you know, I think Amar Dolman has done and said a lot of really positive things since buying the BC Lions in this regard. And I think it's, it's not just a solution in Vancouver. I think it's a solution across the league. You have to do things that the NFL cannot do. You know, the CFL can't compete with Madden but it can get into a thousand schools each year across the country and uh, engage hundreds of thousands of kids that way. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I remember when I was in kindergarten, I had uh, uh, Dan Clark or, uh, you know, some of these guys like reading to, to us a book or signing autographs or, or stuff like that, you know? So, and, and you mentioned fantasy football. I've been, for years to, to my parents and fans that you know the CFL needs to kind of reshape their fantasy football app um, try to make it more accessible for a nine-team league um, you know you mentioned like we we me Max and Grimahar are all in a NFL league in our in our winner this year the guy's never watched a football game in his life so I think that's super two points John it was to, heartbreaking uh, <laughs> was, oh my god sounds but like I, a rough ride <laughs> but i think definitely like um i loved what the bc lines owner uh came out and said in his interview you know i think that's great you know it starts uh like you mentioned at the grassroots level and coming out to practices and uh you know developing like these connections for for these kids because i know 
for sure like that helped me become such a, an even more big rider fan um meeting these guys and you know seeing them high-fiving them uh doing activities with them so you know all your points i i 100 agree with yeah i mean it's 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 like the product has never been the problem you know i know there's people out there talking about how all oh, scoring was down well yeah the, the league didn't bloody play in 2020 like like scoring was always going to be down there's always going to be rust but we've, we've ripped off that band-aid the Grey Cup was on December 12th. It's already January 13th. And like training camps open in four months. Like it's it's not a long wait. I think I think scoring is going to be back in 2022. I think the the the, the on-field products can be better. It's just a matter of getting getting kids exposed to it because the glitz and the glamour of the NFL, right? It, it just draws in people like uh, you know, it's like it's like a moth to a flame. It really is just the hype that surrounds that league 24, seven, 365. It's, it's relentless. Um, but again, there's lots of ways in which the CFL can connect with Canadians that the NFL will never do. So whatever you can do to maximize those opportunities, you know, those are going to be the things that keep this re this, this league around and keep this league successful for the next hundred years. Absolutely. Uh, the, 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 this league is not going anywhere. Like, if, if, if you are a CFL fan, you, you understand like the power that this league has over the country. And like, exactly like, like you said, it just, there's so much community in this league. Like I, I remember I'd bike to, to training camp every day. I'd watch them for four hours. I'd, I would, I would get their autograph. I know Zach knows what I'm talking about. And it would, it would humanize these guys for me. And when I would able, when I was able to take pictures with Darian Duran and, and get an autograph from R Richie Hall and, meet George Reed like it was it was mind-blowing but it showed to me they weren't like mythical mythical creatures like how maybe I would see Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers they I could I could shake their hand and meet them and they would smile at me and I I think that makes a world of difference especially to young fans so absolutely and I mean the with with the amount of money these guys make I think they're always you know cognizant of the fact that this is you know, they're, they're going to have to work for, for 20, 30 years after their careers are over. And, and a lot of them can, can, you know, improve their, their post football life by making those connections, right? It, it happens all the time that guys, you know, especially from the States will come up to Canada, they, they play for a team for five, six, seven, eight years, they marry someone local and then, and then they stay right. Like, like Jason Vega, is an example I'll give in Winnipeg. Like he works at a car dealership in Winnipeg. He, he played for the Bombers. I think he played DN for three years. He went to the Cowboys for a year, came back, played two. I think he played, he, he played somewhere else for one, I think. But, but point is, you know, he, he, I don't think he was ever an all-star. He, he didn't play 15 years, um, but he, he, he made an impact on the community. The, the community made an impact on him and he decided to stay. And that's wonderful. Um, and those are the types of things that make the CFL special. So absolutely, I think I think the fans gain a lot by having that accessibility to the players, but I think the players benefit a lot as well um, by finding a second home or, or finding a place where they can start a family or finding a place where they can set themselves up for life after football. 
Um, so, so certainly, I think it's a very symbiotic relationship for for fans and players in this league. And those are the those relationships don't exist in the NFL. The NFL is just too big, it's too powerful, it's too bloated. There's too much money. These guys in the NFL are not like regular people, right? I mean, you know, Matthew Stafford makes thirty eight million dollars a year. Most people don't make, you know, three point eight million dollars in their lives. Um, he, he's he's not uh, he's not like you or I. But, you know, Darian Durant is, you know, George Reed is, and, and that's what makes the CFL special. Uh, yeah. Just to add to that point, um, obviously as a, the only American in the group here, uh, I often do uh, like to troll um, my buddies, Max and Zach here, because, you know, the NFL is, the CFL is not as big as the NFL. But the one thing that, and this is just a point I want to add, but the one thing that I can always, you know, that they got me on is that sense of community. Um, I, you can legitimately argue that we love our we, we the CFL fans love the love their own franchises more than some NFL fans do. It's that sense of community. It's you know like it's that love. It's you know if they belong to us. You know um, I cheer for the New York Giants. I have I've I've never been to a Giants game, but I have been to a Riders game. And just seeing the absolute love and support that you know that they're willing to give, you know, you guys, you got us, you know, driving, you know, how many hours down to Regina to catch a game, you know, um, the love here really is unreal for some of our CFL teams, and I, and I'm with you, John. I don't think you can get that for a lot of these NFL franchises. My condolences on being a Jets fan, by the way. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, you know when uh, when your coach uh, runs um, runs a quarterback uh, when runs a draw play on a third and nine, uh, uh, two like quarterback sweeps on like a third and nine. I don't know what it was, and you know I, I'll tell you what though it has been hard. So I really appreciate you saying that, John. Well, and, and look, I, I'm I'm being facetious, of course, but you know every now and again I'll run into people. You know, they, they find out what I do for, for three down. They're like, oh, CFL. Are those guys even real athletes? They're like, oh, I can't watch the CFL. Those guys are terrible. And I'm like, well, the next time the, uh, the Jaguars are playing the Lions, you can turn on that game and tell me how good it is. <laughs> um, I'm not an NFL hater. Again, I've been watching the NFL since I was a little kid. Um, I've been playing Madden for 20 years. Like, I, I really like the NFL. I really like it. But, um, yeah, to arbitrarily say that it's better, I think, is a bold statement. Or, to argue, you know, or people who say, like, oh, well, NFL athletes are incredible. CFL athletes are terrible. It's like, well, there's lots of guys who, who had very successful NFL careers who were awful in the CFL. And there's, there's lots of examples of CFL players doing great things in the NFL, or former CFL players, I should say. So, you know. I don't think the one league is better than the other. They're just different. And anytime there's there's different options available to people, um, I think that's a positive thing. Uh, differences should be celebrated. Um, so I, I'm glad that we have both leagues. The, the the football world would be a lot less interesting without without the CFL or without the NFL. And to that point, um, I don't know if uh, many of us remember this, but Super Bowl 49. Uh, Chris Matthews dropping, I think, 120 yards uh, in Super Bowl 49. That was that's probably like one of like a uh, former CFL player. I think he worked at a Foot Locker. Uh, got called up to try for the Seattle Seahawks, and you know he dropped 120 yards in the in the Super Bowl. That's probably 
one of my fond memories of a of a dude um, who was once in the CFL born out in the NFL. Oh, absolutely right. And then and then Chris Matthews comes back. I think he was still twenty nine. He was with a he was in a, a a late season run with Calgary. Then he signed with Winnipeg and he did nothing. And then he got cut, went to Montreal, did nothing. Now he's out of league. So like, you know, a lot of people will say like, oh well, you know, Chris Matthews. You know, and he was he was most outstanding rookie with Winnipeg, and I think it was 2012. But like, he's a perfect example of a guy who, you know, a lot of people would say, or I shouldn't say a lot of people, CFL haters would say, oh, he can't be that good. Then he goes off in the Super Bowl, and they'd say, oh, well, he must have been amazing. He was just one of those guys who slipped through the cracks. But then he came back to the CFL, and he didn't do anything. So, you know, like the the difference in talent level and how good these guys are and, it, and a lot of it comes down to to where guys are at like physically and mentally and emotionally right like like the the the, the line between like the best player in the nfl and the worst player in the nfl is so small like it's it's so small um and i would argue the like the, the talent between an average nfl player and an average cfl player is is like microscopic it's so close like like, like the NFL player will make that catch, you know, 88 times out of 100. The CFL player makes it 87 times. Like, and that's literally the only difference between them. And um, I'm glad that we have a league in Canada where guys like that can play. Yeah, and Chris Matthews' best day, he can, he can rock the Super Bowl. And on his worst day, he can get cut by two CFL teams in the same year. And that, that's just pro football. That's how it works. And, like, like the, the, the difference in these guys talent-wise is, is – unbelievably small no uh it's 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 incredible to see guys come from the nfl do good in the cfl or but vice versa you love to see that all that kind of diversity in football absolutely right and i mean I'll, i'll use like delvin bro as an example like delvin bro broke his neck in high school like he had a full ride to lsu if i remember correctly Never played college football. You know, he's going through his his surgeries and his neck rehab, and then he gets signed by Hamilton, becomes a CFL All-Star, gets signed by the Saints. He won the Saints Defensive MVP Award one year. And I'm not sure if this ever even got reported, but after he was with the Saints for three years, he got a contract offer from the Denver Broncos. I want to say it was something like three years, $18 million. Like they, they were paying him big money. And the deal never went through because he had uh, he didn't pass the physical once the doctors got a chance to check out his neck. And then he came back to the CFL. He was an all-star again. So like, like classic example, right, of a guy who, due to an extenuating circumstance, never got a look, comes to the CFL, does amazing, goes to the NFL, does amazing things. And then he got back to the CFL through, again, no fault of his own. So and, and, and there's not just one Delvin bro. There's guys all over the place like that. Sometimes it's an injury. Sometimes it's a legal problem. Sometimes it's a size thing, right? If Doug Flutie had been six foot three, he never would have come to the CFL. Yeah. Right. But like he's, he's what I think, I think they listed him at five ten. I don't think Doug Flutie is five ten. but you know, like, like there's all kinds of reasons why guys don't get a look and talent is only one of those reasons. There's, there's always extenuating circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, on behalf of uh, all of us, man, we really appreciate you uh, coming on to the pod. Um, this is really, um, you know, really humbled 
And, uh, you know, we're definitely going to be uh, looking out for you in the future. And, you know, hopefully we can have you back on. Appreciate it, guys. This was fun. I'm, I'm happy to come on anytime. This was awesome. Thank you so much, John. And make sure everyone who's, everyone who's watching to go follow 3Down Nation on Instagram. Yeah, thank you, John, so much. That was that was great to hear from uh, a great CFL mind as you're you're on. Appreciate it, guys. Best of luck with the pod. Thank, thank you so much. Go Riders, go Giants. <laughs> go Riders, go Giants. And that concludes episode nine of A Well-Placed Cuss. Uh, special thank you to our new editor, Oakley Rose, and special thank you to John Hodge of 3 Down Nation. We are very humbled that uh, he was able to join us. Um, these episodes will be available on all platforms, on Apple and Spotify specifically. Um, we also want to make sure you guys are following us on A Well-Placed Cuss on Instagram and TikTok. Um, you know, stay tuned for next week as we'll be uh, recapping the divisional matchups in the NFL. Thank you guys and take care.